eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to Helium Boys Podcast, a non-serious USC podcast. I am your host. Count Chocula. We are here <laughs> for the Halloween episode of the Helium Boys podcast. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, I can't do that for an entire podcast shotgun. But Go I up, just Count Chocula, add, Peter Pan. I just wanted to add a little bit of flair to this episode because it is the Halloween episode. This is going to be it's released true. on Halloween. So I needed to do something creative for this podcast that i am the host so i take a lot of pressure on that i do have a little twist for this episode but we're not going to, i'm not going to tell you until after the two minute drill and he has no idea Ooh. what it is because I, I teased it i didn't say anything about it but i have a little fun twist we're going to do for this halloween episode but shotgun how the heck are you you did not come out to berkeley so i know you are raring to talk about this game because you haven't been on record anything about this game so far so this is the first chance you get to talk about this game that's true and i feel like my emotions about this game have swung about six different times but it's been a a unique weekend i'll say that i was supposed to be with a bunch of uh usc annenbergers celebrating a 10-year anniversary of some usc annenbergers getting married i did not pick them getting married during football season is actually quick story it's the only time i've ever done two weddings in one weekend i went to a undergrad wedding uh, in tennessee Literally was lost in the woods, walking by myself in the woods, no lights anywhere in at West right, Tennessee. Right. Um, and luckily was able to find some way to connect with some phone dead, everything. I'm literally, I'm, I'm talking no lights anywhere type of thing in the middle of the woods. And I was like, I finally came to the realization like, oh, I had my bag with me and everything. As always, I'm just like going from one wedding to another. So just backpack on. And I was like, I can charge my phone, my computer, I think. And I didn't have the proper cord, but I found a way to make it work with this adapter and that adapter. Called someone, I was like, hey, I just need to get to the airport. And someone came and picked me up in the middle of literally nowhere. I was like, they were like, what are the cross streets? And I was like, cross streets? Buddy, I don't I'm know at, that I'm, I'm, I'm for a, sure I'm on a, fern, a street. I'm on a fern tree and a... <laughs> a abandoned washing machine that's where those are my cross streets come find me I, I honestly was walking for 45 minutes and there was not a car in sight in the woods 
no lights, no anything. Like, and finally, found my way, found my way to the airport. Next day, I'm on a beach in uh, Tampa, St. Petersburg, for another wedding. So it was a crazy weekend. So it was supposed to be the 10 year anniversary of that. Unfortunately, I was not able to go to see all my my peeps from Annenberg. Very disappointed in that because we had a household COVID uh, instance. Not me. I tested negative, but family members that were supposed to be coming with me did test positive. So made a nice five-hour trip to Baltimore, Chris. You should be excited about this. Made it down to Baltimore. to you know, round trip five hours because went down, got some Arby's. You know, hung out on the the Lincoln Riley Thursday press conference, and they decided, you know what, we got some COVID. We're gonna head home. Uh, so it's been a trying weekend inside, uh, dealing with all that and whatnot. Uh, but you know, got a lot, of, got to watch a lot of college football instead of having more fun uh, than watching college football. And watched a lot of this USC game. Didn't know if I was gonna be able to watch this game. It was supposed to be in the middle of Virginia, in the middle of mountains. Is anyone gonna have the Pac-12 network? Who knows? But instead, I was back home and watched this game, and it was uh, a, a game. It was a game. We'll just put it that way, Chris. But uh, that was my weekend. I'm rip-roaring ready. You know, that I was supposed to have a week in between of travel of two games before this travel weekend and two games after. You know, it was a big stretch for me. Instead, I got a weekend at home. So now I'm, re- I'm, I'm ramped back up. I'm ready to go. This is going to be an exciting week. USC's got Washington at home. But we got to talk about what just happened. It was a game, not the big game. No, no band on the field, though the band did play an interesting part of separating the halves. It's just craziness, just craziness. It was a game, I know, a game. I know, I know. Shotgun <laughs> is not going to do two minutes because he's just trying to get out <laughs> details about stuff he knows he wants to mention in his two minute drill. That's but true. he knows if he it's does it in the two minute drill, it's going to go over the. If you could just spot that, then he was just throwing stuff out there. He kept doing it, <laughs> trying to get himself prepared. I know your game. I'm very sorry that you went to Baltimore and all you got was COVID and Arby's. That is terrible. You should really stop at a Wawa, and that would have made it at least a little bit better. So I do. I am apologize on behalf of me, a Maryland native. <laughs> I, I apologize for that. But I hope you stay uh, COVID negative and you do make it out here for the Washington game because you were on track to come out here for the Washington game. Shotgun, you were drinking some water. Good, because you were up first for the two-minute drill. And I don't I, – Shotgun, like USC fans have faith in this team. I don't have much in you right now to make this two-minute drill because you have probably a lot of things to say about this game. But Shotgun, I need your two-minute drill – thoughts on USC's wild comeback 50 to 49 over California and your time starts now all right I'm gonna try to keep this straight as an arrow because there's so many tangents you can go on with this game 50 to 49 are we kidding are we kidding what a game what an excitement if you weren't expecting more out of the USC team you'd have been thrilled by this game you know, just back and forth, turnovers left and right, USC rallying from a, you know, 14-point deficit early in the fourth quarter, not playing great in the first half. You get Barry Alexander back, suddenly you are playing great. You can stop a run. It's almost like that guy matters. It's almost like defensive tackles matter. USC creates four turnovers. They need four turnovers. They need four turnovers against a now three and five Cal team. I think that tells you a lot. Caleb Williams was really good but not Caleb Williams. I mean, there's just so many things going on. No wide receivers outside of Taj Washington. Where's Zachariah Branch? Can we get him more involved? USC went to the point of where they started calling fair catches on kickoffs because 
they don't trust anyone to block, even though Zachariah Branch is so elite. So I've wasted a minute and haven't got anywhere. There was so much going on in this game, but USC found a way to win. That's the positive news. The negative news is it was Cal. They are now a three and five team, and you had to find a way to win. And you were super excited about the fact that you found a way to win rather than being upset that why were we in this situation? That's something that continues to grind the gears of USC fans because there's so much anticipation of the season coming in with Caleb Williams coming back off the Heisman Trophy, all the transfers coming in, all the expectations have led to the fact that there's not as much appreciation. And it's unfortunate because of how great that game was. And that game should have been played three hours later, so it would have been packed 12 after dark. Instead, the craziness happens during the middle of the day, and fans from around the country are going, what in the world is going on with this USC team? They found a way to win. I can say that much. I was right a little bit over about 2.03, and that was with you kind of getting some stuff out before we actually started the two-minute And, and not but- even really touching on anything. <laughs> not even really touching on anything, but we have stock up, stock down right around the corner. So I know that's where you're going to get all your details and your your little viewings and the minutia of the game. So don't worry. Don't I th- worry. That's I think I got about eight, I, I could probably go about eight pages of stock up, stock down after rewatching oh that game. But Chris, oh before we do that, we're going to let you cover what you saw there. Being on the sideline, Memorial Stadium. I mean, there was so much going on in this game. And I'm not even talking about when the whistles were blown, I'm talking about before the game. I'm talking about halftime. I'm talking about the trek because the trek is always a part of the experience going to California Memorial Stadium. So, Chris, you got two minutes. Let me know what'd you see, what'd you feel, what'd you hear, what'd you like, what'd you dislike. Give me your two minute drill on USC versus Cal fifty forty nine. You're right. A weird ass game, but I always love going up to, to, to Berkeley. I love going to NorCal. I love the weather. Something always happens. It's always weird. We had a, a, a shooting last time. We were on the bridge. We saw raccoons that one time that we thought were pigs. Something, something goes wild in Oakland. I don't know what it is. And it, it makes sense that this last game between USC and Cal, for, for we don't know when the next game will be, but it, it made sense that it was going to go out in a wild, wild way. USC fans were obviously hoping for some confidence boosting going to a tough three-game stretch with Oregon and Washington and UCLA. But first, I just have to give credit to the players. I have to give credit to them for coming back in this game after two really bad losses, an emotional loss to Utah where they just had their heart ripped out in the end there. And then for them to come back from 14 points down to this Cal team, you know, that 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 gets you know, you, you should commend that. You should commend that that they were still able to fight when they could have just folded after those two tough losses. So I give them credit for that. But on the other hand, it's freaking cow. I don't care that they had a bye week. I don't care about all that. They had that extra week to prep. Cal's not good. Cal is scrappy, but you are USC. You have a Heisman winner. You have all this talent you got. You should be able to pull away from this team. The defense was bad, but the defense also made pays. plays. They were just... This bizarro Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde staying on the Halloween theme. That's what they were. This defense was trick or treat all game long. The offense could not really get into momentum or rhythm throughout this game. So it was just a bizarre game. And that's not even talking about all the weird stuff that was going on outside of this game on the field and stuff like that. Well, which we'll talk about in stock down, stock, stock up. But 
Again, I commend them for getting the win, for snapping the losing streak, but it did not give anyone confidence going into this week against Washington and with an Oregon looming on the road again. USC is in trouble. Oh, just barely got it. Maybe uh, maybe one second over. I don't, I don't oh, know. You, you turned the, the thing around. Oh, don't lie about it, Chris. Don't lie about it. Our, our listeners can, you know, check it themselves if they really want to with the time steps. Um, you, you talked about it. It was a game where there was so much that happened in this game. And that's part of the reason was because of the tempo of the game. Um, so stock up on tempo for both teams. I mean, Cal had 85 snaps total if you include penalties. I think USC had um, 82. So, and both teams had like 16 drives or something. I, I can't remember. There was some other game that I was watching on Saturday. And again, I was flipping back and forth. There was a ton of games, and they're like, what's great? I think it was a Pac 12 game. It was like, what's crazy is they've only had the ball three times in the first half. It was like three times. USC, USC had the ball six times in the fourth quarter. Six times in the fourth quarter, six possessions in the fourth quarter. Like so much can transpire and change and did in this game when there's that many possessions in one quarter. And I think that's something that that definitely made it seem like, wow, so much is going on because, I mean, you look at the defense. Like defense gave a 49 points. You can't say, well, that was a good job. But you look at the beginning of the second half and they have a force a Four and out, not a four and out, but they force a turnover on downs, a fourth down. They get a three and out. They get an interception. You're like, the defense is playing great. But there were still two and a half more possessions in the third quarter. <laughs> and then you go into the fourth quarter. And then you, so, like, there was so much just going on that you, you can't pinpoint things. And that was what was so crazy about this game to me is it felt, and I would say my first stock up is, Felt like a big 12 shootout. This was very big 12. And Lincoln Riley obviously is accustomed to those. And Justin Wilcox, maybe not. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe that was the difference there. Is the, the one point difference is the accustomed, uh, being accustomed to this type of game. But that is exactly what it felt like to me. You know, watching those games, you see Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, and it's 52 49 at the end of the game. And a team's down by 21 or something, it doesn't matter. You're like, oh, well, they'll come back. Like, that's what it felt like in this game. But one part, because there were so many possessions, because there's turnovers, a lot of it. But that's my first stock up, Chris. And I don't know if we're going to run through all these. I got a lot of them, so um, we could probably do that. But that was the one that stood out the most. Like, this did not feel like a traditional Pac-12 game outside of it just being crazy. And it didn't feel like it should be as crazy as it was because it wasn't packed 12 for dark. Like this game should have definitely been, I should have been watching this game at 2 a.m. Um, on the East Coast. It wasn't that case, but that, I mean, the way it played out, it should have been that way. This was definitely a packed 12 after dark game that had sunlight. You kind of tripped me up there by going right into stock up and not letting me it. get it back. So I my couldn't, bad. I couldn't give you my Halloween twist for this episode. So Uh-oh. I'm going to do it right now. Shotgun, every 10 minutes, you're going to have the choice for me to read you a spooky fact that you are going to rate on a spookiness factor, or you will have to identify a famous quote from a Halloween movie or a scary movie. So you get to pick every 10 minutes. 
I'm not great with movie quotes, but I think I'll, I'll take the challenge. I think, but okay, I got you. All right, I'm, I'm excited about this twist, Chris. You were you're so good at these podcasts. I don't know. Don't believe what anyone says about you, Chris. You you are a dominant oh, podcast. Show me those. Show me those people. I want to meet those people. Uh, Shotgun, you're gonna have a choice right now. Do you want a spooky fact? Or a movie quote right now before I officially start the 10 minutes. So you get well, we, a little warm up. We got to start with a movie fact and we'll see where I'm at to whether or not I can uh, participate in this and um, embarrass myself or not. Okay. Remember, they're not movie facts. They're just spooky facts. You have to give me one through 10 how spooky. No, it wait, wait. Is. I want to, I want to quote. I want to quote. Oh, you All want right. a quote? Sorry. Yeah. I heard movie. I heard movie, movie. facts. So, movie uh, quote. Sorry. Okay. I, that's movie probably quote. on me. I've been wearing a mask for like five days straight with people in my household. So, you know, I'm I, I muffled. Everything I say is muffled right now. Okay. It's okay. I'm going to give you a, okay, here we go. Uh, Sid, don't blame the movies. The movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. It's got to be scream. You know, Sid, uh, here we go. classic character, um, blanking on her name, but I can see her face. Nev Campbell. There we go. There you go. Shotgun got it one for one. I, I want to say real go, quick, Shotgun. real quick, Chris. I, I when I watch movies with my dad, my dad's like a sleuth. Uh, he knows the uh, the way movies lay out. Within the first like four minutes of the movie, he's like, "That's the killer." And I was like, "Whatever, whatever." And granted, there was two killers in it, but still, he was like, "That's a killer." <laughs> oh, shout like, out to Papa. Whatever, Dad. Come on. Well, shout out to Papa Spratling for having the uh, killer instinct and knowing who's what in the Hollywood films. But Shotgun, that, very proud of you, one for one. Chris, that's 12 gauge to you. My oh, friends all call my I father apologize. 12 gauge. I, I apologize. <laughs> I did not know this. Shout out to 12 gauge. You're off to a great start, Shotgun. <laughs> I'm going to start the clock now, so I'm going to interrupt in 10 minutes. But I want you to kind of just give me your, your stock ups, baby. We'll just, just flow through them, and then I'll pick up wherever the the pieces may be with some of mine and then, you know, jump in on some of yours. So just read off your, all your stocks, baby, go through them. All right. I had plenty more of cycle through my head throughout the game, but uh, rewatching the game and whatnot, but you know, stock up starting with, uh, you know, I said big 12 shootouts and also possessions. There was just so many possessions back and forth, which leads to so many things can happen positive or negative. I got stock up Eric Gentry difference maker. You know, you just he, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I have I that mean, as well. I want to say, you know, I wanted to say stock up for Eric Gentry throughout the season. We've talked about him a lot. We'll get into this in a minute, but he was just an absolute difference maker in this game, as well as Bear Alexander. When you bring a defensive tackle on, he hasn't played in the first half, and his name is Bear. That man just came out of hibernation and he is hungry. And he definitely changed the game because the run Cal's run game was not the same in the second half because Bear was making impact plays. He played all – and except for the final two snaps that Cal had in the second half, he played all but three snaps. So that's like 40-something snaps. That's unheard of for a defensive tackle to play that many snaps, uh, you know, that percentage of snaps in one half. So he was outstanding for them. You could tell he get tired at the at the end, but he was, he was fantastic. Um, and it, there was, I don't know if you heard the rant that uh, Dabo Swinney went on. I did. I did. I was listening to it. Great. Uh, it was fantastic. I want to stock up on that rant. It was fantastic there. But one of the things he said, I think, really applies to USC. It's the expectation is greater than the appreciation. So because there was so much expectation coming into the season, USC fans just cannot appreciate a win. 
unless it's a blowout, unless you're up 49-3 at halftime at Stanford, you can't appreciate it. And I understand it. I understand it because you want them to play their potential and you feel like there's so much more there. But this was such an amazing game if you were an unbiased uh, you know, viewer. Like you would just watch, this is crazy. This is going back. Like if you're watching and this is Tulsa versus Tulane and you just happen to flip it on, you can't turn away because it's a car wreck. There's so much going on. There's a car wreck, but there's sparkles and glitter bombs flying out of everywhere. The police are showing up. There's a stripper. I don't know what's going on. There's so much going on here. Um, that's what's going Some on in this stripper? game. Yeah, the, the cops showed up. There's a stripper in the back seat. She gets out. It's, it's just an accident you're supposed to be like rubbernecking for, but there's so much going on that you, you can't turn away. You pull over to the side of the road as well because you want to see what all is going to happen in the scene. And that was this USC cow game. But when you're in it as a fan, your heart's in it, and you've invested, you can't appreciate it. You can't appreciate that win. You can't appreciate winning by one point. You can't appreciate someone like Jalen Smith who got beat up in this game. Not physically beat up, but like he got beat up, you know, in coverage. He got beat up, you know, with penalties, making the game winning play. Like you can't appreciate that because you were so stressed of how this game is going. And you're so upset that you're in this game with Cal when you're a 10 point favorite. And if you're playing your potential, you're a 16 to 24 point favorite. If USC had played like they played at the very beginning of the season. So the expectation greater than the appreciation that's stock up, um, you know, and I think, uh, I think the quote was from Davos when I wrote something down, I don't know if this is that quote, but he said it, it used to be the funds and winning, but now even when they win, there's complaints. And that feels very much like USC. Last year is like, oh my God, we won. Do you remember last year we were four and eight with this team? This Kayla Williams guy's crazy good. And now it's like Kayla Williams missed a throw. What's wrong with Kayla Williams? He he had a couple of incompletions. He should have been complete. Why is he not playing to his Heisman level? Why is his defense not improving? And that's a big question still. But like you just can't appreciate some of it. And I, you know, two days later, three days later, I can say, oh, this is fun. In the moment, you're like, what? This team's so hard to watch because you know what they're capable of. But yeah, so that was a big one. Um, Stock up on Tackett Curtis. Now, that may seem strange to you. Tackett Curtis, you know, got in a couple drives and then got, you know, put back on the bench. Eric Gentry played much better. But stock up for a guy as a freshman who's had so many ups and downs this season, a lot of downs, you know, not playing to the potential that the coaching staff thinks of him. Uh, but continues to start a lot in, until this game. So he got benched this game going in. And then he goes in, doesn't play great the couple drives he's in, but he's on special teams for a bunch of stuff and makes an absolutely huge play on special teams. That is the type of stuff that shows you the character of this team, um, You know the fight of this team. That's stock up for me too. They continue to fight. They're not as good as they should be, but I'll be damned if they don't fight. They try, they, they don't give up. The, maybe you could say the end of the Notre Dame game, they're just so deflated that you could sense the the air has all been let out. But any other time, like they should be blowing out some of these teams and they're in these dog fights, but they continue to battle, even when they're down 14 in the fourth quarter, even the whatever. Um, so and that leads into the next one: double digit deficits. USC, that's four straight games where they've had double digit deficits, and they're now two and two in those and Two of those teams, they definitely shouldn't have been down. And the last one for my stock up, 
Um, and we could talk about some of these if you want, but basketball season, Chris, basketball season is a week away. USC fans, if you're upset about football, let me just tell you, over at the Galen Center, there's this thing about to happen. It's called basketball. And they got the number one player in the country that came in, Isaiah Collier. They got Boogie Ellis coming back. He's going to score like 18 points a game. He might be an All-American. And they're going to be good. So if you're really upset with Lincoln Riley and Alice Grinch and the way this football team is playing, especially if they don't get an upset on Saturday, you know what? Two days later, basketball season starts in Vegas. So get your ass to Vegas. Come have fun. I'll be out there. Me and Ryan will be out there. Women's team plays. Men's team plays. Going to be a great start to the season. But basketball season starting, Chris. Stock up. Just a little plug for the <laughs> world's greatest USC basketball beat writer. Fired up for this season. Ryan would not allow you that probably on the Parasol podcast. But this is our podcast. So, of course, <laughs> you could throw a little stock up love to the basketball team. You had some great stock ups, and with the tacky, probably yeah, stole was, some I, of yours. No, it's okay. It's okay. I did want to give a little bit of shout out to uh, Jack Casasante because he was first on the scene for that fumble, made contact, stopped the guy's momentum, and then kind of whipped him back to kind of disorient him. And then Tackett Curtis is coming up. So I did want to give a little love to the long snapper with the great flow, Jack Casasante. I have a great shot of it on my field level highlights. So I'm going to do a little plug and say, go watch those highlight videos. Check it out. The last like four, no one has watched. I can't, I just need to get it over a thousand. I just want to get this one over a thousand. It was a wild game. So go watch those out. Yes, you are right. Eric Gentry, Bear Alexander. It's funny. The two kind of maybe the defensive MVPs for this game are two guys nicknamed after animals, Bear and the Angry Giraffe. Yep. Yeah. So those guys were going through it and making plays all afternoon long i have stock up on blood pressure just because usc fans have had to live through three of their last four games have been these white knuckle uh tight butthole games where they're just anxious for these games arizona triple overtime utah and then you pull one out here in california so i got stock up on blood pressure for usc fans chef taj cooking it up Back-to-back mm-hmm. games with 100 yards, leading this team in receiving. I know a lot of people were picking Brendan Rice to be the guy, Dorian Singer, but I had Chef Taj. You know, don't sleep on Chef Taj. He's making me look smart. I have stock up on Marshawn freaking Lloyd and Austin Jones. Those guys were running well all game long, and you see where they were they were trusted the run game a little bit more in this game, and you saw it happen, and then he just busted one there at the end, and I love Austin Jones scoring the go-ahead touchdown. And not even celebrating. It was just like, didn't even care that he scored the, the biggest touchdown of this game. He was just very businesslike. He was like, I knew I was going to score this touchdown. I can't wait to ask him about it, hopefully in practice. I have stock up, shotgun, on ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. We had a ball don't lie <laughs> moment in this game. How come no one is talking about it? We had ball don't lie in a freaking uh, football game. That's that's incredible. I also have stock up on protesting before this game was delayed by a protest. And then at halftime was delayed by Lincoln Riley protesting more time on the clock. So I have stock up on protesting only in California, Berkeley. Do those things happen? So those are just kind of the two of the wilder aspects of this game. I'm sure maybe you're going to ask me a little bit about it. I wonder what it was like watching that on the television. But before I throw it back to you, Shotgun, we have 10 minutes on the clock. So you have to pick another fact or another movie quote. Sorry, oh. your first fact or a movie right. quote. We'll, we'll go with a spooky fact. We'll see what the spooky facts, uh, you know, how how deep we're delving here. 
Okay. And shotgun, remember, you have to rate it on a spookiness on your perspective. Like how scary is that to you? Yeah. How scary is that to you when you hear that? So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the the spookiest, if you will, uh, we're going to go with only we as a human species have only explored 5% of the ocean. I kind of know this one, so not quite as spooky. Um, It's mind blowing a little bit, Um, you know, the depth of the ocean and what, and the fact that there's always so many new creatures being discovered and they're translucent or they shape shift or they may have rings of Thanos. I don't know. There's all kinds of new ones that, that pop up every day. Maybe one of them can be discovered. That can be like an applicator. To turn USC's defense into a dominant defense. Oh, they start slapping them on the back, the hamstrings of the USC def- defenders, a new discovery. Suddenly they're super defenders. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll give it up about a five. You know, it's okay. just okay. one of a mind-blowing spooky. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Some people are afraid of the depths of the ocean. You are not one of those people. Well, if you well, wanted to go see the Titanic, you would be. Oh. Oh, oh! Shotgun, throwing back to you. Anything you want to comment on on my ups before we go to your downs? Yeah, I, I think you should have framed your protest a little bit better. It's like Lincoln Riley getting in the Berkeley mood. You know, he, he kind of got the Berkeley. It's first time there, first time for him. He didn't know what you know what he to was expect, inspired, what to expect, and he's like, "All right, I see, I see how this this works. I see how it works before the game. I'm gonna take that with me." The next time they they send all the players off the field and it worked for him, uh, you know. So weird situation, weird situation. Um, I like there was someone coming over to the house at a certain time, so I was like, let's get this game going. I want to get as much game in as I can before people come over and interrupt. I'm trying to do work. I don't want to have to do chit chat, all that type of stuff. And instead, I was like, oh, we got a delay. All right. Okay. All right, we got to, oh, at halftime, we got another delay because it wasn't just that halftime, like they changed the ruling on that because Lincoln Riley was out there for 10 minutes or whatever, eight to 10 minutes. They added that extra time onto halftime. So halftime was super long. I would, I'm jealous, Chris. I'm jealous to be honest, because you know, normally the one game you miss the, the, the one that get photos. Chris is normally my, you know, my clock watcher. Like I'm just rapidly trying to cut photos, you know, put them on our admin, get them going so that everyone has photos to use at the very end of the game uh, from the first half, whatever. So I got to get that Lincoln Riley photo. I got to get Caleb Williams. Got to get a running back, you know, and whoever we think is going to blow up or whoever already has blown up the first half. I'm trying to get all these photos in the admin. And Chris is like, you got 32 seconds left. And I'm like, ah, ah, what's going on? Uh, and this game, I would have been like, oh, I got plenty of time. But let's be honest, Shotgun, you would have wasted some of that time because you're an A1 reporter and you would have stayed out on the field with me. I didn't even go into the thing because so much was happening. True. You would have stayed out on the field to get photos of Justin Wilcox blowing a gasket <laughs> or them together in this huddle with the, the reps. You would have stayed out there to get those photos. Absolutely, you would have. So it would have just ended up being the same uh, situation you're always in at halftime. True. It probably would have. You're right. But I can hypothesize that wouldn't have been the case. Dream. Yes. You can dream. That's fine. Stock up on trust the run game. You saw them stick with it. The run game wasn't great in the first half, but look what it did as the game progressed. And when you, like I said, when you play a game where there's 80 snaps, you're going to wear down the opposition. 
And that's something that we've been waiting for and waiting for. Like, Marshawn Lloyd's good. Use him. Now, Marshawn Lloyd needs to hang on the ball a little bit better. You know, he fumbled in the first quarter again after two instances of the ball coming out last week. So that needs to be corrected. But he is a difference maker, and you saw it in the pass game and the run game. I think he had 186 total yards, I think is what it was, maybe 182, somewhere in there, 180-something. Um, but huge difference maker for USC because the the wide receivers, uh, you know, there's some issues going on right there. Um, but I, I thought he was really good. Um, defensively, obviously, we, we mentioned Eric Gentry. Solomon Bird had another nice game. Wasn't spectacular or anything, but another nice game as he continues to do. Um, and, and then – you know, the DBs were challenged throughout this game. The uh, The defense as a whole was challenged. They sucked in the first half, to be honest. First quarter especially. You gave a 43-yard touchdown, and three plays later on defense, you gave a 61-yard touchdown. And then you gave up an extended, extended drive for a touchdown. Cal's not a great offense. They have one superstar player, and Jay Nott, I would call him a superstar for them. And you let him beat you. You let the superstar beat you. That's the thing that's been so frustrating with this USC defense is last year they could take away a superstar potentially. Now, they might get lit up by Drew Pine, but the Notre Dame run game is not going to stop them. Now, if you have multiple superstars, they're in trouble. But like when you're playing a bad team and you take away their best player, then you're in so much better position. And USC has not been able to do that consistently this year. And that's a big step back for them, I think. And for them to, to bottle up Jay Knott in the second half is, is a positive for them. I mean, he had six carries for 131 yards to start the game. And then he had something like 15 more carries for like 22 yards. Now, he did get injured at the in the fourth quarter, a uh, big hit from Mason Cobb. Um, and Mason Cobb had an up-and-down game. I would probably put him on the stock up. Uh, he did have three missed tackles, but I think what he finished with 15, I think is what his total tally was. Tackles, yeah, 15, he was yeah. flying around, and that's what's missing, it feels like, is someone flying around with intent versus flying around just to fly around. And that's unfortunately been the case for USC's defense is, let me hit this gap, I'm going to hit my gap. As long as I hit my gap, I'm good. The problem is, once someone else gets out of their gap, you've hit your gap and the running back's gone. I did my job, coach. Can you do your job and a little bit more? And the, they can't find that balance of don't try to do too much, but still be able to do a little bit more than you're supposed to, if that makes sense. That seems a little, you know, rubber band back and forth, but don't try to do too much. Don't try to make the hero play, but can you do your job? And I can still stick my arm out, slow the guy down or whatever it is. You know, I can make a one-arm tackle. It doesn't have to be this spectacular, but can you do a little bit extra to help out your teammates if they were to make a mistake? Because there's too often, obviously, that there's mistakes. So a couple of things that stood out. Let's jump into stock down. I've already talked way too much in this in-between and haven't really said anything. Well, you're going to have to keep going, Shotgun, because you're <laughs> the leading off the stock down. This is an easier method where I could just fill in the gaps, whatever you, you put out there, because you're put out a lot. That's true. Uh, stock down on Jalen Smith um, just because, you know, he didn't play great. He's been one of their better defenders th- throughout the season. Um, he actually even injured Zion Branch. He's the one that, you know, hit Zion Branch on that play that uh, which Chris reported in the on the Paris stuff. You remember, you can get an update on that. Chris, if you want to divulge that, that's up to you. I'll leave it to you. Um, but he injured Zion Branch on that play, so you know that was a bad day, but he did make the final play, so give him credit for that. I got stocked down for the defensive line, not named Bear, 
did anyone else? Do you remember anyone else making a play? Do, Solomon do, Bird falling on an easy fumble. That's like the only thing I kind of remember. And that's even if you're including Solomon Bird. Like he made a couple plays that were nice. Uh, Jim, I mean, if you're including the rush in still, like Jamil Muhammad had a, had a nice spin move that didn't get there. Solomon Bird had a nice spin move that made contact, but Bear actually, you know, hit the quarterback first. Did Tyron Salini do anything? Did Braylon Shelby? Did uh, Stanley Tafu? Nice. Did Dejon Bitten? Did Keon Bars? Did Jack Sullivan for his like four snaps? I, st- I don't understand that one. Um, did Anthony Lucas? Like no one made a play at all. Like I, I haven't even looked at the tackle numbers, but it doesn't feel like you know maybe combined the defensive line, the defensive front, those front four guys outside of Bear maybe had what six seven tackles like that's unacceptable it's not good now part of that is a lot of pressure was put on the linebackers a lot of pressure was put on the dbs and you know those guys had to step up but if your defensive front is wreaking havoc then those guys don't have to step up as much and when bear alexander came in there suddenly usc was able to stop the run better and that goes hand in hand with Jay not getting a little nicked up too. Um, but they were able to stop the run better in the second half for sure. They didn't give up the explosive runs. And then Fernando Mendoza can't sit back there and throw those RPO passes because the linebackers aren't sucked up every single time. And the DBs being, you know, you got Jalen Smith struggle because he had one-on-one matchups. Anytime a nickelback has one-on-one clear field, It's a bad mismatch for that nickelback. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Jalen Ramsey. I don't care if it's Nikhil Roby Coleman. I don't care who it is. Any nickelback, anyone you put in that spot at nickel, be the best DB in the world. It is a tough spot to be in when you're one-on-one and the linebackers are sucked up and there's no one in the throwing lane at all to distract the quarterback, to put pressure on the quarterback because there's so much field to work with. So now you're getting, all right, are they going to break? Is it going to be a post? They're breaking side. You saw that. Is it going to be a slot fade? You saw that. Back shoulder, those back shoulder fades are tough. I had stock up on stock, on, on uh, sh- back shoulder fades. I meant to put that one in there. But that's going to be something. USC is going to see that. That shit's going to be over and over and over with Michael Penix. So they better get to work on that because they got worked on it uh, against Cal and Fernando Mendoza. But you saw when they slowed the run game down, now those RPOs don't have the same effect, the play-action RPOs, because that's what almost all their completions were in the first half. Outside of screens, like every all but three of their passes in the first half had play-action. Outside of one screen, I think. Out of one screen, the rest, every pass was play action. And it wasn't that much different than the second half because the run game was killing them so much. They could just play action. And now it's one-on-one. The linebacker sucked up, like I said. And, you know, you can you can kill them. So uh, that was a big thing. So defense line not named Bear. And in the same sentiment, wide receivers not named Taj. I know Brendan Rice had a touchdown catch, didn't do much else. No one else really did anything. Dorian Singer was on the field for a ton of plays. And he had like one or two short catches. Um, so that one really stood out to me. Like something needs to happen for the wide receivers to make some more plays. Kyron Hudson did have the nice catch down the side, uh, sideline. I will give him credit for that. And uh, and Zachary Branch had a nice catch. But both of those were dropping the bucket throws by, by Caleb Williams. And then stocked down on Lincoln Riley on Monday on Trojans Live saying, there are only five to ten plays on each side. There's five to ten plays each game on each side that if they can just flip those five to 10 plays. 
So even if you're just saying, if you're adding specialty, if you're not adding special teams, five to 10 plays. So you're telling me 10 to 20 plays. If we could just change 10 to 20 plays each game, we'll be good. That, what? Like, if you're saying one or two plays, like, oh, we're one or two plays away. And he was saying that a few weeks ago. Oh, we're just one or two plays away. Now it's, oh, five to 10 plays on each side. That's a ton of, of plays. I almost it's dropped like it when you said, it's like if you said that walk-on was 15 inches taller, he'd be starting. <laughs> that was true. It was a true statement about yes. a one, former yes. USC if basketball anyone player. Was fi- if anyone was 15 inches taller, they'd be a probably a better Division One basketball player, <laughs> not a walk-on. I, I'm just saying, same energy, shotgun. Same energy. But I do want to interrupt you briefly because you have another quote or fact right now. So you have to right. really quick right. to get back to your point. Uh, that, that was the final of my stock down, so it's a good, good spot okay. for it. Um, so give me a quote. We'll see where we can go from here. Okay, here we go. Let's see if Shaq can go two for two. Probably we not. all go a little. We all go a little mad sometimes. He doesn't have it. I got, I got nothing for you there. We have from Psycho, the uh... mm, the original. The original, yes. Uh, a little psycho gate, a little psycho. Yeah, so uh, that's okay. That's okay. Maybe you haven't seen the original one, but it's okay. Classic not, horror not movie. Not a long psycho. time. Not a long time. That's okay. That's okay, Shotgun. We're going to go back on the clock, and I guess it's time for me to give you my stock downs. Yeah, what do you got, Chris? I have several. <laughs> Obviously, my starting one, I'm going to have stock down. On Dennis Lynch, it pains me to put, you know, uh, DL the kicker on here. I just feel like he maybe have the yips or something. I don't I don't understand. You know, I know he's made a couple of good kicks, but there's just so many weird times where it just doesn't come through. I'm not putting the one at the end of Arizona on him, but maybe that kind of just like shook his confidence a little bit. Obviously, that was the longest icing of a kicker in the history of college football when he had to come out after halftime and then they made I missed it. I was like. I told turn to somebody's like, can you imagine if they missed it? Like Lincoln Riley comes up to him, is like, I got you the kick, but I swear to God, if you missed this kick, I just went through all that. And if you miss this kick, and he missed the kick, and then he missed uh his first extra point of the season, I think maybe of his, of his career. career. Of his career. Yeah, of his career. It's just, oh my gosh. Something it just it, confidence is like shook up and down. I don't know. So I officially have to put him on stock down. Uh, Dennis Lynch, it pains me as a former kicker myself. Speaking of conversions, I have a stock down on two-point conversions. I don't think USC has converted a two-point attempt since the one they did against Arizona to win that game. It's just been – it just never – it just hasn't been coming together. And the one they did, they got wiped off for holding. So I don't know. This, the two-point conversions – I even tweeted, like, stop going for two-point conversions. So I have to have stock down on two-point conversions. Obviously, stock down on a run defense. I mean – you and I could have been out there and we probably would have played a little bit better. Uh, try to stop those runs in the first half. I have stocked down on holding momentum. This team just seems like so bad at just keeping momentum for their side. Every time, you know, USC can cut it to a, a lead or get down seven or something like that. They usually allow something good to happen for the other team. I mean, you look back to that Notre Dame game where they would get to 11 and they just, Notre Dame would just take it right back with ease. And we've seen that a couple times throughout these, these last couple games. And with Utah, it was back and forth. 
USC can never maintain the momentum. And I get it. It's football. It happens. It goes back and forth sometimes. But just be a little bit better at holding, you know, that that momentum you build for your team when they really, really need it. You get something really, really good, and then you just give it right back to the other team. Sometimes with with little to little resistance. And then I have stocked down on Halloween spirit because, as most of you know, I was the only one who dressed up for our Halloween episode. I know Shotgun probably wouldn't have left me hanging, but I was left hanging uh, by Ryan and Connor. I know they had to do the House of Victory pod earlier that, so it probably wouldn't have been a good look to show up dressed up. But I just got to get stocked down on, on the Halloween spirit. I, I was trying to keep it alive for the Halloween episode on television on Sunday. Chris, I got to start there. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. devastated for you. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I will let you know that if you want to come to New Jersey for tomorrow, I'm being a zookeeper and multiple animals are, that are going to be with me. So if Chris the Tiger wants to come to New Jersey, you got a zookeeper here that will take care of you throughout your health. We didn't, we didn't plan this at all. Like I, he didn't know I was going to be a tiger. I didn't know he was going to be a zookeeper. That's just like helium boy uh, connection right there. We had no idea that that was going to happen. This is not an ad for the New Jersey <laughs> Zoo or anything. Philadelphia Zoo or or the Philadelphia Zoo. Excuse me, the Philadelphia Zoo. This is not an ad for any of them. So this is just. Uh, Wow, some real healing boy synergy going on right there, right, right now. But yeah, I would love to take you up on that offer. Yeah, after so practice, of- just fly out. Um, but yeah, it was a very disappointing. So I got another backstory. Like, was this was something message? Did you just show up on your own? Where was there anticipation? How did you get left hanging like this? I mean, I communicated it early in the week because Ryan was at Tuesday practice. So I was like, all right, we're dressing up, right? dressing up right it's it's the halloween episode can't do it the following week because we're already in november it doesn't count it doesn't work like that this is literally two days before halloween it's gonna be the halloween episode and he kind of gave me a non-committed answer and then connor was like um i don't really have a costume so it was like kind of up in the air but you know i just had to i just had to do it you know if if no one did it if no one if i'm gonna um put it out there you know i have to bring it you know Try to be a team captain. I got to lead by example. So that's what I was trying to do by leading by example, by dressing up like a tiger. Yeah. And, and it's very disappointing because we do have a heritage on tunnel vision of dressing up for the Halloween episode. Uh, and this was a similar case where I literally was an hour, maybe two hours before, maybe it was the night before. Maybe I, I thought I actually asked about it the night before for one episode. And I put together a blind ref, a Pac-12 referee costume because they are blind apparently um and you know you had keely as wendy peppercorn everyone loved that part um, i don't remember what ryan was but keely and i killed it so yeah there's a there's a history of dressing up for this so it was very disappointing to see this when i saw that you were in costume and no one else was chris i felt your pain my fellow helium boy i like how you sound legitimately like upset about this that I, am. I are you more disappointed that no one else dressed up for tunnel vision or USC's run defense? What are you more disappointed <laughs> in? That's what I want to know right now. Rank those two. I, I think tunnel vision, to be honest, because okay, uh, USC's run defense is there was already a, you know a history of them failing versus tunnel vision. There's been a history of success on Halloween episodes. So all right, real quick to go back onto your stock downs, Dennis Lynch. You know you feel like uh Maybe he's floating right now, Chris. 
Maybe that's the issue. He's floating. Got that scholarship. I'm just floating through, baby. Just floating on. I'm good to go right now. Uh, you got to get locked back in. Uh, but yeah, you know, the the extra point, the first one of his career that he did miss, there was a penalty before that because that was the two-point conversion, the only one that USC was going to succeed on. Um, the the two-point issues, one of my issues, and I like the two-point conversion plays better in this game, but last game the two-point conversion plays were like, what's at the bottom that we haven't called yet versus, oh, these are our special plays. Like Arizona, it felt like, oh, these are unique plays that we're going to save for two-point conversions. And like it, it felt like against Utah, they're like, we didn't have time to work on new ones. So what's at the bottom of the play sheet? We'll just run something. Because like it was straight dropbacks for Caleb Williams. It wasn't using his mobility, different things like that. The first two-point conversion, like I like the play against Cal, the first one, um, rolling out to the right, you have multiple options over there. It's a zone defense. Cal's been running a lot of zone. You have either Dorian Singer or Mario Williams. It throws the Dorian Singer. He just doesn't catch the ball. Like that needs to be caught. That should have been a two-point conversion. So I like that play, and I like the one that they did score on that got pulled off the board. I like those a lot better than the Utah ones. I didn't like those at all. So I guess that's a little bit of a moving forward. We'll see if they, you know, if they go back to the two-point conversions, if uh, if it gets better. Yeah, the run defense was terrible in the first half. Just guys. And Lincoln Riley talked about it a little bit on Trojans Live. He said, oh, in the first one, we had a defense lineman out of, uh, you know, out of his gap or out of place. And then second one, same thing, defense lineman out of place. And then the safety was out of place. Like, that's a problem. You can't have multiple defenders out of place. If one guy gets out of place, and this is the thing, is like they're not picking each other up enough. That's why you're seeing those big explosive plays. Like, you can have a guy get out of place. And Sean Cody mentioned it on Trojans Live. It's like, what do you got to do to, you know, instead of a 61-yard run, you give up an 18-yard run, basically, um, you know, where they break through, but someone's there to eventually pull them down. And, like, that's that's the issue. They're bringing the safeties up the line of scrimmage, and they're getting out of their spots to begin. And they're getting out of their spots to where they're supposed to be. And, you know, if the safeties are out of their spots, you better hope that defense line makes the play to begin with because the safeties out of spots is going for a big one. And that's been the case for USC. The, the explosive plays – I guess you, I don't know where you put them on stock up or stock down. They're probably stock neutral because, you know, they, the, the, wait, did you say stock neutral? Yeah, stock neutral. Did you just say stock neutral? Yeah, because it doesn't oh exist. Oh my God, this is a story. Clip it. Clip it. It, it doesn't clip exist. It. Chris. Clip it. It <laughs> doesn't it. exist. Get rid of all the context around it. Just clip it and send it to me. No, Chris. Uh, it, it, they just, they just keep happening over and over and over and over and over again. So it's, I don't, you can point at one player, you can point the scheme, you can point at everything. They're not making enough plays and the explosive plays are killing them. So all that holding momentum, I agree with. I thought it was interesting. The one thing that Lincoln Riley did point to in Trojans Live and kind of a little bit after the game was the sequence where USC gets a turnover, the very next play to give the ball right back. And they had a, a, Shot play call to Taj Washington that Caleb Williams can't get the throw off. And then they make a four and out stop after that. And he felt like he he said actually on Trojans Live, and I thought it was an interesting quote. He said, when you look back on it in a couple years or later down the season, that could we could look back at this and say that was the turning point. I don't know that I would agree with that, but I did after he said that, and I'm re-watching the fourth quarter, I'm like, all right, let me see if there's a different vibe to it. And I would have felt that way if it wasn't for the last drive, them letting up the touchdown. 
Like if they got to stop on the touchdown, like you'd be like, all right, okay, I see what you're saying. But like you got the downs play, you scored a touchdown, but then you gave up a touchdown right back. So I guarantee you, no one in a few years is going to be talking about that four down stop after the, the fumble. <laughs> I guarantee it. And if someone emails if, us, if for some reason, years in the future, I'm going to for the bit. I it will be amazing if someone emails us on the anniversary of that of that play. Good for yeah. you, but no one's going to be talking about that. If for some reason they did turn things around and those five to ten plays become one to two, um, then you might you might talk about it. If they beat Washington, beat Oregon, beat UCLA, win the Pac-12, blah, 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 blah. All those things that we don't anticipate happening because we've seen this story over and over and over the season. So stock down on championship narrative. How about that? Lincoln Riley keeps saying, oh, we're play away. We're play away. Oh, wait, now we're three plays away. Now we're five to ten plays away. We just changed those. We 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 got these. Really fun opportunities, Chris. They're really fun. And they are. They are. It's it's going to be electric, hopefully, in the Coliseum. Last time for me being out there this season. So you guys get out there. It should be fun. You can always leave at halftime if it's not. How about that? And if you need someone to buy you a drink, Chris is available. All right? Excuse me? What? Excuse me? What, what happened? Um, me? Uh, we'll put it on Ryan's tab. No big deal. We'll sure, do okay, that. that's better. Uh, but yeah, like come out. It should be fun. Like Michael Penix, it's going to be talked up as you know Heisman contenders. Even though I, I thought this was interesting, Chris stock down. Caleb, Caleb Williams Heisman opportunities. He's not on the board anymore for one of the one of the um, bookkeeping places, one of the casinos that sends me emails about the different odds and stuff. USC's national championship odds went off the board last week after their loss to Utah. Caleb Williams is now off the board as far as Heisman Trophy contention this week. So I thought that was really interesting. After I think three or four straight weeks of his odds going down, he's now no longer on the board. You cannot bet on him with their casino. But yeah, so, but it still should be fun. And it could be 70 63. It could be. We'll see. There's going to be. Bring your bring your tums. Bring your heart medicine, whatever it takes. Bring your bear. Bring your bear. Bring your bear. Better bring, bring your bear. Bring your bring bear, your nurse. Bring, bring your bird and bring your angry giraffe. And then you know, play go from there. And you have excellent timing because it you to pick a movie quote or a fact. All right, since I lost on the quote lesson, leave me a fact. Let's give you a fact. Before we move on, uh, it's rare, but cracking, popping your neck could cause a stroke. Oh, no, don't do it. I just attempted to pop my neck. Um, that, that is a bit scary. I don't know if that's spooky as much as, oh, I, that's bad. Because I pop my neck a lot. So we'll put that about an eight. It's not, I didn't okay. want to hear that, Chris. I got his uh, blood pressure rolling a little bit, like you. Had- I, I don't need you to tell me about that. The last I don't need you to tell weeks. me about my energy drink consumption. I don't. I don't need to know those facts. Just let it go. If it's it happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens. I do have a quick stock neutral to throw out there because I haven't done one no, no, in no, several no, no, weeks. No, 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 no. I am the host. God damn it! I will do <laughs> what I want. Uh, I just have stock neutral on literally 
neutrality. You had a double PI call, which I don't think I've ever oh, yeah. seen. I don't think I've ever seen that double PI on the cornerback and uh, Michael Jackson, the third, which they talked about for a long time. So it's stock neutral shotgun neutrality, positive and negative. It goes together and stock neutral on the double fumble. You cause a fumble. Then the very next play, you give it back stock neutral no. neutrality. Um, it was interesting. They also, instead of calling it on Michael Jackson, they called it on Zachary branch. It's like, what? You don't even know the right. Can't get the right numbers. You can't get the right call. Pac-12 refs are stock unchanged because you can't go down anymore. Neutral, baby. What, neutral. I, what was the other? There was a call, another call on Saturday. That I don't even remember. It wasn't the USC game, but like just or, or maybe it was the halftime thing. Just Pac-12. I think uh, Chip Kelly actually had a quote today that was asked about the halftime thing with USC, and he said, "I." Didn't know that could happen. I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. And he's like, well, with the Pac-12 refs, you see a lot of first. <laughs> there you go. Great. Put that on their uh, the Pac-12 refs autobiography when they uh, <laughs> at the end of the season. I did. There, there's a lot of first. A lot of first. Shotgun. It's time to move on to our next topic, which is just basically kind of a little mini preview of this week's opponent, which is obviously a very huge one, as you alluded to at the end there of your stock downs. Number five, Washington, eight and no Washington. The Huskies are coming to the Coliseum. It is sold out. It should be a rocking environment. You were also coming out for that game if you haven't listened to any part of this podcast because I've mentioned it several times. But this is a big one for USC. Three games left, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. This is the grind. USC is very much capable of beating Washington. Washington has looked human the last several weeks, struggling to beat Arizona State. And Stanford escaping a brutal fourth down play that Stanford did not convert. We watched that in the Uber ride back to Oakland. Me and uh, me and Ryan, you wonder if they convert that. Does Washington go down to that game? Washington has looked very beatable. Obviously, Michael Penix, one of the Heisman front runners, he is going to be the key to this game, as well as how USC secondary does against Washington's top and skilled players. They have arguably the best wide receiver room in the Pac-12, and that is without Jalen McMillan, who has been hurt since the Michigan State game. They're still rolling along without him. So this is feels like a sink or swim moment for USC. The Pac-12 championship, those goals still are alive, but they have to beat Washington. They obviously have to get Oregon, but it doesn't matter. The Oregon game does not matter if you do not get past the Huskies. And I was shocked to, to think, even though I've been covering the team in that time period that they haven't played since 2019. It does not feel that long, but it is that long pre COVID pre COVID. The last time these two teams played, I was there for the last Washington win in 2016, but USC has not beat Washington in the Coliseum since 2011. It's been a long time. 2011. I feel like that was the, I mean, it was 2000 Jake locker game with, I was at when I was at the, you know, my first game covering USC was Pete Carroll getting beat by Steve Sarkeesian in um, in Washington with Nate Robinson and Spencer Hawes, a couple other Washington basketball alum, storming the field with the crowd, which was kind of cool. Just seeing, you know, NBA players being so hyped up. And that was you know, my, my true introduction to college football, being on the sidelines and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, it's been a while. Yes. Uh, for USC, I think that was the Jake Locker game that that they won. Uh, maybe they actually lost 2010. I don't remember. Maybe that was 
off the top of my head, I don't remember. But Washington, explosive offense at times. Like, it's kind of disappeared a little bit. And also, like, I, I thought Max Brown had a really good point. Um, uh, at one point, I don't know if it was Trojan Live or something else. He said, you kind of know almost immediately with Washington whether a defense is going to be able to contain them or if it's going to be a 40-plus point night. He said, like, if they can get the deep shots early, like, it, you just kind of immediately know. And it's that's what their offense is, is deep shot, deep shot, deep shot. They trust so much. And Michael Penix's ability to spot the ball on his receivers, whether it be the back shoulder fades, whether it be I see that they're a step ahead, putting it in front of them, whatever it may be, he does a great job with the deep ball. Can USC contain that? <laughs> what was that? What is this noise you're making? This is huh? concerning. I, I think I'm, you know, I think it's Halloween and I'm like shape shifting into something else. I don't know that the sound I imagine like can USC's defense shape shift though, Chris, can they shape shift into someone that can stop the explosive plays hard for me to believe that will be the case. Um, but if they can, that's the big thing is stopping the explosives with Washington, forcing them to earn each drive. If you do that and they beat you, then you, you tip your cap. But if you give up explosive play after explosive play, after explosive play, that's what this Washington offense is all about. And it's interesting to note, you know, they jumped out 4-0, they moved in the top 10. Their last four games, they beat Arizona by seven. They beat Oregon by three. They beat Arizona State by eight. They beat Stanford by nine. And, you know, so it's not like they're blowing out teams recently. Now, a couple of those games, they scored a lot. Uh, You know, they scored 30-plus in three of those games. Only 15 against Arizona State. They won that game without an offensive touchdown. Baffling with how good their offense can be. But that tells you what the, that their defense is capable too. Their defense can be scored on, but their defense is also capable. It's a very Pac-12 team, and you see them as a top-five ranking, and you look at it and you go, honestly, after seeing the results on Saturday, I was like, USC will beat Washington. Washington will beat somebody. Um, Oregon State will beat Oregon, so they'll have two losses. Oregon will somehow still get into the – the Pac-12 championship or USC and beat Washington and the Pac-12 will get left out of the college football playoff. I, that just felt like it was after seeing uh, whichever upset there was on Saturday. I'm blanking off the top of my head, but uh, Oregon State losing to Arizona. You're like, all right, this will play out and there won't be a one-loss Pac-12 team. That's just the way the Pac-12 is, but we'll see. The big thing for USC on the defense side is can you contain Braylon Trice? That man has been – he had – I think it was 16 pressures last week. So expect Caleb Williams to be on the run all day. He's had Braylon Trice has had 40 pressures. He's a potential top couple round draft pick. They got ZTF as well. Uh, Zion Tupulo uh, Fatui, who came back off an injury. He's a guy that can, can be a disruptor. Um, Ed- Edifon Ula Fasio, their linebacker has been really good for them this year. So, you know, there's guys that are playmakers on each level. Trice at the front, Elifosio uh, at, uh, at linebacker, and then you know they got a couple of DBs that are solid. Asa Turner's guy I liked coming out of high school. He's been banged up a little bit. Um, but And then also, like if you're USC, can you take advantage against your former teammates and your former commits? Because you got Raylan Goforth on the other side. He's playing a ton for them. You've got... Um, 
You got Tuli Latuli Gasanoa from uh, De La Salle. So there's guys that you know, should know pretty well. Can you take advantage of them somehow? That's what's going to be USC is going to have to do that. And you're going to have to stop the deep shot. If you can stop the deep shots, you're in the game. After that, it's about, can you contain the pressure on Caleb Williams? Like if, if Caleb Williams stays clean, which would be a miracle the way the offense lines played throughout the season. But if he were to stay clean, this could end up being a 70, 63 shootout, especially if you don't stop the deep shots, but if you can stop the deep shots, this could be a 31, 24 game at the same time. So, you know, it's, it's all about the deep shots to me. Like, can you stop Penix from throwing back shoulder Roma Duze going up and catching it over somebody? Like those are going to be the big things. Huge, huge game for Christian Roland Wallace and Damani Jackson. Christian Roland Wallace in particular, like this is a NFL draft stock game. You're going up, especially if you get Roma Duze on your side pretty consistently, like if you can shut him down, your stock flies up. If you get torched over and over, you're going to hope that you make some strong impressions at the senior bowl or whatever. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a really important game for a lot of different facets. And for USC, looking for the first big upset in the Coliseum and since, you know, Stanford, you know, with Ed Orgeron. It's very interesting because Washington does create pressure, but they haven't been very good at actually making sacks they only have 10 sacks this season which is you know among the worst in the nation so i thought that was a very interesting stat but also a big key is just getting michael Penix pressured as well they've only allowed five sacks which is number three in the nation that's incredible only five sacks on Penix. so and and you know that defense excuse me part of that is the kind of philosophy of the offense they get the ball out of his hand quick you know it's not like they are running double moves to get the deep shot. They're not running, you know, a post corner. They're not, all right, we're going to play action and we're taking a guy and we're running him all the way across the field. No, it's one. We're going to spot a one-on-one matchup or a cover one matchup. And we don't think the safety can get over there. And we're just going to attack. And Penix is going to get the ball out and they don't throw. He doesn't throw the ball 60 yards down the field. He throws it 30 unless the guy go catch it because it's a quick, Snap, all right, look and see, read the defense, out. It's not snap, read, 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 waiting for the guy to come across the field. That's not their offense. Their offense is quick shots, even though they are deep shots. It's quick hitter uh, type of stuff, so it makes it that much more difficult. You have to have that immediate pressure, which to me means USC will probably blitz a lot, and that's going to put them very susceptible. So it's going to be, again, up to those DBs to have a monster game. It's time for a quote or fact before we go to the break. Back to quote. Back to quote. He's doing alternating, which is uh, I respect it. I respect it. Another classic from a classic horror movie. You're going to die up there. Uh, It feels like going (laughs) to die up there. That could be like anything, like any plane movie. I feel like this um any plane movie name three plane movies airplane um yes the classic airplane (laughs) with the quote you're going to die up there that probably is in there to be honest um or the wesley snipes plane movie air force one like i could be in him i don't know 
You're thinking of Blade. Independence Day. No, on a, there's one much younger in his career uh, where he's a passenger on a plane that gets hijacked or something. I don't remember. Um, yeah, I got nothing on it. The answer is The Exorcist. Uh, the Exorcist. Honestly, I don't know if I've seen The Exorcist all the way through. Fair enough. Very scary movie. Very scary movie. I'm sure The Exorcist ruined... Uh, uh, the childhood of many kids who their parents probably let them see it back in 1973 and they had nightmares for forever. Also so, a, a Char- curse, curse set. Apparently there were multiple people that were injured or I think there was at least one death as well on the set. Ooh, look at shotgun getting in with the little spooky facts of his own there shotgun. <laughs> with that note, we're going to take a break and then we come back. We have a lot of questions to get through. So We'll be right back after this break on the Halloween Helium Boy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we are back shotgun how are you doing is halloween i know you're not eating sugar and it's obviously a very sugary time yeah i'm I'm gonna struggle with that I'm gonna be actually. I'm gonna be hoarding some candy for Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is one of my my cheat days on sugar. My birthday and Thanksgiving were the two. So, 
Save some well, there you uh, go. save some sweet tarts and some uh, Snickers peanut butter. Maybe a, fa- a take five or something. There we go. As I alluded to before we went into the break, we have a ton of questions to get through. I'm going to start with the emails, but Shotgun, are you ready? Sure. This one is not a question, but it is a comment that we got from Scott in the Bay Area. Hey, Parastyle team. Five stars for Chris Trevino's comedy masterclass on the last Helium Boys episode. I hope Lincoln shows up to the next postgame presser with a 10K trademarked. Take me to dinner before you ask about the D t-shirt. Give Branch <laughs> the rock. Let Roy run, Lloyd run and fight on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Lincoln Riley did show it? Like, even if it was just like his Thursday Zoom one, and they're like, all right, we're not gonna put this up uh on online or anything. Or it's just or it's just blurred, it's just very clearly like <laughs> blurred. Yeah. That'd be, That'd be hilarious. That'd be great. Uh yeah, again, thank you, Scott. <laughs> I appreciate that. I did not write that email myself. Sure. Uh, that was sure. a very real email that we got. So let's get into a actual question rich and sd look if i performed poorly at work for nine months and the last three i quote unquote held serve does that mean i should be rewarded with another year hypothetically do you feel that if the defense miraculously holds the opponent to under the opponents to under 30 points and usc wins out that grinch will be retained to answer that hypothetical, I would say yes if they win out and they hold them to under 30 points. But I have no faith, and you should have no faith <laughs> in that actually happening. There's yeah. no way. Maybe one opponent they hold under 30. Uh, but if they do do that and they win out and they beat Washington and Oregon and UCLA, that probably means they're in the Pac-12 championship and they held them all to under 30 points. Yeah, Alex Rich would absolutely be retained. Yeah, if you win that and then you win the Rose Bowl after that, like, uh, or whatever bowl game, I think the Rose Bowl is part of the CFP this year. Uh, but yeah, then he would be retained because it would be like, oh, the defense is improving. But none of us have faith that that's going to happen. And I hate hypotheticals and I don't like calling for anyone's job, but the, the defense hasn't been acceptable for a team that has championship aspirations. So, uh, that's the biggest thing. And that's why, you know, everyone has been upset from the USC side is well, not everyone. 98% of the people have been upset about the defense. Every once in a while, there's there's some people that are overlappers, but there's 2% that are just upset with the offense too. Shotgun, I have a question for you from Terry in Hemet. Shotgun, you said you've been traveling for all games except UCLA. What jobs do you have besides working for Ryan and what took you to New Jersey? Your insight is excellent. Well, thank you, Terry. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm traveling, not traveling for all the games, but on the rest of the schedule, I will be traveling for all the games. Um, I came to New Jersey because of family. Uh, It was not my personal choice, but it's what was needed for family. So that's what we did. And my other job, along with working for Ryan, is I write for D1Baseball.com, so you can catch out all my college baseball stuff, cover the West Coast, as well as now the Northeast there. So, And then whoever else will pay me. Every once in a while, somebody's like, hey, you want to shoot this for freelance? You want to write this for freelance? You want to pay me money, guys? I'm in. We had a couple of DMs come in. This one from Jacob. Helium Boys, 
every Pac-12 opponent USC has faced this year also played them last season. This meaning they may have been able to better scheme for USC's offense after playing them once already. Do you think USC might gain an advantage these next two games from not playing either UW or Oregon last year? Jacob. And this is this is probably a better question for you, Chris, to start with, because you guys have talked about this on the Cilantro Boys, the two-star composite podcast. That's something that Gerard Martinez has brought up uh, a bunch over. So what's your opinion on this first? I'm a little confused by the question. Is he asking that because UW and Oregon did not play them last year, they will have an advantage in this weekend yeah. game? Yeah. Compared to, as Gerard has said, Gerard has said one of the things he said throughout the offseason is that, hey – Defense is going to catch up a little bit to Lincoln Riley's offense because they've seen it now, and they'll, they'll be able to make some different adjustments now that they've seen it once. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, but also Oregon and Utah have film they can watch of USC from games last year. Again, it's not against their their defense, their personnel, and all that. So I do think a little bit, but also Oregon and UW have – can get film to watch of USC and they can, they can see what they were able to do last year and, and all those kinds of things. So I think a little bit, but not as much as maybe people are hoping uh, the advantage USC needs to beat these two teams back to back. So I would say a little bit, but maybe not as much as you would think. This is actually something I haven't thought about, but I think it does. I think it does give them an advantage because USC's offense attacks you in kind of some unique ways that some other offenses don't. And you can look at it on film you know, teams could have looked at all the Oklahoma film they wanted to, but until you get that personnel on the field and see, okay, how are they using Zachariah Branch? How does he go in different ways? Uh, if you've seen them last year, how they use Jordan and you have a little bit of an idea. Now you can, you know, and some of the runners are, what do they do well? What do they do not do well? Those type of things. I think that gives you an advantage rather than the first time. And the fact that USC's defense, you don't feel confident that they're going to have an advantage having played, a team before you feel like it's a big advantage when the opposition hasn't played your offense. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think it would have more advantage against Washington. Cause I think Dan Lanning is a good DC. So I think he'll be, uh, they'll have Oregon a little bit more better prepared than say Washington would. That's just my opinion. We'll see. We have, I'm, I'm saving this other DM for the end because it kind of plays into the Hollywood ho- Halloween theme shotgun. So I'm going to save that the Hollywood one. one too. All right. And the, and the Hollywood, yes. Uh, we have a question from H. I know we've all been we've all been confused about the rotations on defense primarily at linebacker. Who actually dictates the rotations? It's solely DC, solely position coaches, or a mixture of both. Thanks for the great content. Helium Boys is my favorite podcast in the USC.com sphere. Well, thank you, H. We, H, uh, we, we appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate that. And if you guys don't know, we, this is part of the Parastyle Podcast family of shows. We have, you know, the Parastyle Podcast with Chris and, and Connor. You have Harvey Hyde Show. You have, uh, or excuse me, Ryan and Connor. You have uh, the Harvey Hyde Show. You got Chris with Gerard on the Two Star Composite. You got all the tunnel visions. You got the exclusive interviews with House of Victory. We have a ton of stuff, guys. We'll have some basketball content, baseball content. All that's coming up as well. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to uscfootball.com for all the latest news and notes as well. So appreciate that, H. When it comes to the dictations or rotations, this is basically a staff-by-staff call. It could be the head coach. that, Like, I'm making the final decision on whoever because everyone's going to yell at me 
about it. But it comes down to, you know, it comes down to each staff has that and just who has the power on each staff. Sometimes the offensive line coach has all the power on the staff. The head coach is great friends with him. He, you know, he's been with him for 20 years. He tells him, this guy on the defensive line beats my guys every time. And that's who the head coach says that guy's got to play some. That could be the case. But when you look at USC staff and how it's constructed, the fact that Alex Grinch and Brian Odom have come with Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma would tell me it's more than likely a mixture of both. Those guys are coming to the conclusion. Lincoln Riley's not that he's hands off with the defense, but he's he lets the defense do its thing and kind of distance himself a little bit, even though he said this year he's going to be more hands-on. So I think it's definitely between Odom and Grinch. Now, who has the final say, all that type of stuff? Uh, we don't know unless we've been in those meeting rooms and they haven't really said that, you know, who does, but I would say it's probably a mixture. And I I would think that Odom is definitely very much involved in that rather than it being, you know, a pretty much a dictatorship like it can be in some places. Yeah. They're the ones who are working with the players up close every day. They have the better insight and, and knowledge. So I would say their input goes weighs heavily. I would say it's still overall the DC, but I think they would, you know, listen to the position coach above all and really take that input and insight seriously when weighing who to start and what what not. And, and most coaching staffs have kind of a, a meeting on Thursday or Friday or whatever, like, all right, who are we going to play? What's the what's the depth chart looking like? Are we bumping somebody up type of thing? We want to try to get – do we want to try to get Braylon Shelby a couple extra snaps at rush in? Those type of things happen. And then during the game, it kind of goes out the window and you, you know, it's on the position coaches to send who who needs to go in, or maybe someone, head coach or DC or whoever may say, Hey, let's try to get somebody in. Let's try to, or you know, if it's on the offense side, let's try to get the ball in Zachariah Branch's hands, type of thing. You know, Reggie Bush, we haven't used him in a quarter. We need him to get multiple touches. Or for this team, Marshawn Lloyd. Hey, we forgot about him last week. We forgot that he was a thing. Let's try to use him again. And they did on Saturday and it worked. It is that time for a fact or movie quote. I have a feeling you're going to go fact. I'm going to go quote just to throw you off. Oh, snap. Okay, here it is. You know it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare, eh? See, I told you I would not be good at this. Um, Halloween. There we go. I tried to trick you and throw you off a little bit, and you got it. So Halloween. Oh, all right. The original? The original Jamie Lee 1978. Yep. 1973, 1978. Excuse me. Excuse me. So yeah. Congrats shotgun. Your second movie quote on yes. the board. Now let's my, move on to another my little question. sister was named after Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, there you I go. I know that another fun fact, throwing a fun fact on top <laughs> of a movie quote. There you go. Uh, NCAA hate page says, what's a scarier site? Do you need to stop from a Todd Orlando D from an Alex Grinch D. I mean, <laughs> pick your poison. It's Michael Mike, Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger. I don't know. They're both scary, man. They're both scary. They both kill you. Uh, they both have big deficiencies on talent. So that's the unfortunate part for both of these. Um, I would say right now I'd say Alex Grinch. I mean, maybe it's recency bias, but I feel like Todd Orlando, at least at USC, didn't have a ton of talent. And Alex Grinch didn't start with it, but they've got much more this year. Um, so I don't feel like Alex Grinch covers up for his deficiencies as much as Todd Orlando at least tried. 
And Tarlando tried a bunch of different things, at least. I give that some credit, whether it's for better or worse. Like, he would run, like, four or five different packages out there to try different things and, you know, moving guys different ways. Whereas, like, this game, USC, I, I, I think they played every snap in nickel. Like no dime, no base, no anything else, which is the ones they usually use. No three, two, six dime, no true nickel, no four, three, no mixing up anything. Nope. Nickel. Can we both do a quick uh, our Todd Orlando impression from that night? We're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna do that here. We're not gonna we're not gonna do that. All right, let's go. Okay. That brings us to another interesting question. Aside, this comes from Johnny Siggs. Aside from Bear, what were the main difference, schematic or personnel, on defense between the first and second half? You had much more of Eric Gentry and Mason Cobb playing together. You know, the first four or five drives, those guys were not together. It was mix and match. And then I think the couple, last one or two, I'd have to check on my, my sheets, um, to see when they actually got paired up. Uh, but it took a little while for that to happen. And then when they did, uh, you know, seemed like it got a little bit better. But those guys were really firing downhill and getting into the backfield. Now, I haven't studied it enough to say they were doing different things with the linebackers as far as the gaps they were attacking. It seemed like they were attacking a little bit more off the edge with the linebackers. But again, that's, you know, I, I kind of have a cursory glance right now. Um, as I do my charting, I usually later in the week, I get more into in depth, uh, on stuff, but yeah, so I think that was part of it. And, you know, they were able to, when you stop the run and you're not playing behind the sticks, when it's not, you know, second and three, second and five, you know, a lot of times like it was in the first half, then, you know, you were able to, to do more and bear was a huge part of that. He attracts the double team. Now the other guys do. Uh, so they can get an extra blocker out to get to that linebacker. You know, that could be a part of it. Again, I got to study a little bit more to, to be able to say for sure, but he's just a difference maker. And no matter how much Lincoln Riley or anyone else wants to, you know, Lincoln Riley basically on, on Monday night on church's live was like, yeah, he's good. But I started saying some other stuff and it's like, no, he's a big part of the reason why. And I don't know if you don't want to give him too much props, so his NIL value doesn't go up. I don't know, but he's a difference maker in there. No one else. They need someone beside him to do the same thing. And that hasn't been the case all season, really. Stewart asks, how much pre-workout will the duck have to take to survive the push-up marathon he has coming when we play them next week? <laughs> There's probably a safe limit that you're supposed to take a pre-workout before your heart explodes. So I would say two scoops, two scoops, should get him should get him through the the game that's all that's what i'll say the, the duck has to be in great shape or else they've changed out the duck a, a couple times this year cuz they put 81 on portland state put 55 on hawaii you know 42 42 38 35 so he's getting his work in he he's he might be winding down a little bit you know it's been coming down from the 40s to the 30s recently so um he'll be fine he, he's got he's got some reserves if needed Chris. USC Hippie asks, where is Sam Green? He is redshirting. Maybe we'll see him late in the year. You know, if he's got the four games left, I believe he does have some wiggle room with his four games. But no, he, I was just thinking played, he has played four games already. Well, then he's probably not going to play again, barring injury. 
So he actually was not dressed for a couple of games. Now, I don't know about the Cal game off the top of my head, um, but I know the Notre Dame game in particular, uh, he was not dressed, maybe the Arizona game as well. But there's a couple of games in, in back-to-back where he just wasn't dressed. Now, I don't know if that's because of an injury, because obviously we're not allowed to watch all practice, or if they, because they're redshirting him, they said, don't dress up. We don't want to accidentally kind of throw you in there type of thing, but he did play four games. He played four snaps on defense against Nevada and then uh, played on special teams three straight weeks, Stanford, ASU, and Colorado, or three straight games, um, and, like, was on the kickoff return unit against ASU and Colorado. So, like, not the best use of his four games, but also how much is he going to get in on defense at the same time? Uh, Hard to say. You want to get him kind of used to the speed and everything, but if they are redshirting him, that didn't seem like the best usage for me. But that that's where he's been. Head says, what's the deal with Corey Foreman and Anthony Lucas? With the D-line playing so poorly, why not give them a chance? I don't get it. Well, Corey Foreman is redshirting, so he is probably not going to see the field again this season. I think he might have one game left, so he, maybe he he'll get in. So that's what he's doing. So you might get one more game of Corey Foreman. Anthony Lucas is not redshirting, but his minutes have been very inconsistent. Uh, not necessarily inconsistent, just not a ton of them. Um, he had, I think it was 18 snaps. All right, let me check real quick. Um, for this game, he had 23 snaps. That's a little bit higher than he's had the last few weeks. But that's also been the number of snaps that were played this game. You know, the last three games before that was 15, 15, 18 as far as on defense. So, you know, he's averaged 21 snaps per game coming into the Cal game. So it's right around the same thing. But tell me the Anthony Lucas highlights, guys. That's the problem. That's why he's not playing more. Because the same thing with Corey Foreman. When he was in there, we see Corey Foreman get close. We've seen Anthony Lucas get close several times. But... Anthony Lucas is backing up Solomon Bird. Who's made more plays? Who's finished plays? Who's recovered that fumble? Who's got that sack? Who's got that TFL? It hasn't been Anthony Lucas, even though he's been close. And you want to see him get continue to get playing time. So, you know, hopefully he takes that big step at some point and has that aha moment and starts becoming a playmaker. And that happens, then you get him on the field more. And we've seen actually with Jamil Muhammad and Romello Height. Romello Height, you know, kind of – Coming along, coming along, not really doing too much. A couple big plays, gets a little bit more time. A couple big plays, gets a little bit more time. And, like, he's played, you know, he played more snaps than uh, Jamil Muhammad at, in the Utah game against uh, against Cal. Let me look real quick. And it's – I think it was pretty equal, if I remember correctly. No, actually, Jamil played a little bit more. So – but that kind of – fluctuates back and forth like who, whoever's making those plays at those positions you know there's no one on the front outside of Barry Alexander is like that guy's going to play a ton Solomon Bird's going to play a ton because he keeps making plays but the rest the other two spots are kind of up for grabs so whoever can make them so we've gotten plenty of questions of like when is Alex Grinch going to be fired who are your top defensive coordinators that you would have I'm not ready to talk about top candidates for defensive coordinators, and people keep asking when is Alex Trent going to be gone. I don't know. But if that change is going to happen, barring them giving up 70 points to a team, 
I don't think any change will be made until after the season. So I'm just going to put that out there. And I don't want to read all these questions about it. Chris, uh, I have a question for you, though. Is it advantageous if you've come to that decision already? Say Lincoln Riley's already made the decision like, this isn't working. We can't be giving up 49 points to a Cal team with Fernando Mendoza. We can't be getting roasted by Bryson Barnes. We can't be – Sam Hartman didn't even beat us. You know, like if you start going down the list of the quarterbacks that are beating you, you know, the Noah Fafita's played well, but second game starting, I think, or maybe first game starting, like ASU, I don't even remember who the starter was. Like that's how bad it was. Like Drew Pine back again. Like you can't be getting beat by those guys. Can't be giving up huge things. So you decide we're going to have to make a decision. I mean, we're going to have to make a move. Is it advantageous to go ahead and make it, whether it would have been after the Utah game, whether it would have been after this Cal game, or is it better to wait to the end of the season? Do you see benefit in making a midseason move? I do, but I don't think he's reached that decision yet. I think it's still something he's going to have. He knows he's going to have to evaluate at the end of the year, but I don't think he's made the concrete decision because then I think – he already would have done it, if that makes sense. Just, I mean, that's the interesting um, question, I think, is you know, a lot of people around the program, outside the program, a lot of, of course, all the fans have said it's got to be done. Um, I think I'd be very close to that myself if I was a part of the program. Not my decision to make, so it doesn't matter what I think. But it, – is there uh, is it advantageous to do that? And that was kind of the, it was interesting that 2021 with Clay Helton, that was one of the reasons they said, it's like, we think this team has enough talent. We think if we make a move firing Clay Helton now, then the team can take off. That it'll be something that will galvanize the team or whatever. And it sure as hell did not. Like USC probably would have won at least one more game, I think, if Clay Helton stayed as the head coach throughout. I don't know which one off the top of my head, but like it just felt like everything was so discombobulated. Maybe it was just because it was that way already. But like if you fire someone, like, all right, now you got to elevate somebody that's an analyst. You know, are you bringing Greg Brown up? Like, what's the dynamic? All those things shift. So a lot of people that have asked, you know, why is he not fired yet or whatever? That's the question you then have to answer. Is it advantageous to make that move in the middle of a season? Sometimes you can do it with a bye week. But if you're a team that's still in contention for something, making that move is that much more difficult because it's not less like, all right, let's just pull the Band-Aid off, the season's over with, whatever. So, you know, if you're asking for it, you got to assess, does this make the team better for the final four games or does it make everything worse? Talk on fact or movie quote. Fact me. One of the worst things that can happen to you medically, though extremely extremely rare, is locked-in syndrome. Basically, you are completely there mentally, but you can't move anything but your eyes. If not properly diagnosed, doctors and your family may think you're brain dead. Locked-in syndrome sounds like a terrible off-season mantra a coach would come up with. <laughs> Isn't it? Doesn't it? Be locked in. Um, five 
not as bad uh, okay. as not as bad as buried alive as often happen in the 19th century, which is why if you've ever seen a bell at a gravestone, that is why because they would tie a bell to the person's finger if they did wake up from whatever was happening, if they were in a coma or something, they came back to life, they could ring the bell and someone would hear it and dig them up. Do you know that, Chris? Another fact. Trading a fact for a fact. I, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed, Shotgun. Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, I believe a Baltimore native. So yep. shout out, shout out. Uh, Shotgun, there's some fun questions we got to get to. But let's have some pace with these because we are uh, we're going long. Okay, going long. I got you. Uh, Ramirez on Instagram wants to know if you could ask Lincoln Riley one question where he'd give an honest answer. What would it be? Chris, can you go first? I got to find my. Yeah, Yeah, yours is going to be very technical and analytical (laughs) and thoughtful. Mine would just be what everyone wants to know. I just have to ask him. Is Alex Grinch going to be your DC in 2024? That's a good one. Um, I'm gonna cheat. Straight to the fact. Straight to the fact. Uh, on straight that, fact. on that same path, I would say with the championship expectation. This is something I've actually written down in my notes. I have these questions written down. I always write down my questions because uh, I only, unfortunately I only get the Thursday pressers, and then I have like seven questions. I'm like, all right, which one can I pick? And I have to feel the room and all that. Anyways, with the championship expectations, you haven't shied away from Lincoln Riley. He's talked about all that. Do you feel like the defensive results have been acceptable? And if not, what has to change to get acceptable results? You, you can't say it's one play here, one play there. If we just change this thing, like, are they acceptable? And I would say, no, they're not acceptable if you have championship expectations. So you have to make a wholesale change, I think, to get those. Also, I would ask, why did you not make players available after the game? Does Is accountability not important? It's pretty direct and to the point, but that would, that would probably be it. And then also I have several questions about formations and usage and different things that Megan Riley probably would not answer, but I have them written down in case. There you go. Jacob asks, for the Helium Boys, what is the worst Halloween candy and why is it candy corn? I'm not going to argue with that. I think it is candy corn. <laughs> um, my boy Sean Rose would disagree. Shout out to Sean. Uh, but... I agree, candy corn sucks, even though it does have a touch of honey in it. If you didn't know that, Chris, I think those, whatever the black and orange taffies or whatever that are wrapped up, bratches or some uh, company, those are terrible. Say brotches, brotches, brotches. B r a c h s. That's the company. Yeah, I'm gonna go with my Brachis. pronunciation, even though I'm terrible at pronouncing stuff. Let's go with brotches. Samuel asks, since the cow game was to be the final Pac-12 road game against a team that isn't joining USC, the Big Ten. What was your favorite Pac-12 road trip memory from your time covering the team? Honestly, my favorite moments from covering road trips were like the weekenders, going up to Stanford, going up to Cal with carpooling with Keeley and Shotgun. Those are my favorite moments, driving with them and making those little silly uh trip vlogs <laughs> and and mistaking raccoons for pigs it sounded like pigs the man it sounded like pigs. okay they See, were the, these 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 stories and just you know 
debating in the car and having these conversations. That's that is what I'll miss the most about Pac-12 road trips. I would agree with that. Uh, they def- the the raccoon. There was four or five or six raccoons coming down the sidewalk, guys. At like two a.m., we got we're checking into the Airbnb. I think we we're checking in. Maybe we had gotten some food. Just in a posse coming down the sidewalk, and they sounded like pigs. I'm like, what is it? What are these pigs doing here? Uh, but there were raccoons. That was a good one. Also, Chris and I on our drive back to a different trip in Oakland, uh, being I don't not a part of, but being witness to a shootout, Listening. I guess. Yeah, being, I don't. Being ear witnesses to a shootout. Ear witnesses. To the eyewitnesses. Yeah, so everything was blocked oh. off on a uh, on the on the ramp that we were either getting on or getting off, and we found out because there was a shootout going on. So that was kind of crazy. So yeah, some of those crazy memories. Um, otherwise, the the one of my favorite. Uh, out again outside of the game was uh, Chris and I witnessing a man try to do a backflip that did not go well, and we thought it was the the positive is that he did not die or break anything terribly. Break his neck. We were scared for a bit, so that that was a good memory that he was he was trying to impress some girls and it did not happen. Uh, but on the field, I, that Washington experience, like I said, my first co- game covering USC, just see the first time being around a, uh, a field storming or whatever, that was a really cool memory, even though it was not positive for USC. Because I also, as an Atlanta Hawks fan, ran into Marvin Williams, former Atlanta Hawks player, before the game. So those type of things are, are really cool. you know. And getting to see everybody at the tailgates and stuff, the meetups, those have been really fun as well. And always getting deep dish pizza uh, in Chicago, even though that's not a Pac-12. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope that guy's still backflipping to this day. I hope some say he's still on the ground at that uh, <laughs> Airbnb in Arizona. Some some would say that. Some would say that. Shotgun, two more questions here. Hi, Shotgun and Chris. This comes from Just Joan, who is the legendary Joan Levis, who is a royalty on the composite two-star recruits because she hooked us up with our sponsor. Shout out to Meredith Schlosser. Hi, Shotgun and Chris. Loved Chris the Tiger in Tunnel Vision last night. First question, what has been Didn't your favorite all? Halloween costume growing up? For me, it was definitely anytime I was a Power Ranger. <laughs> so definitely like the Power Rangers, you know, everyone that had a that had a grip on most kids my age growing up. So definitely the Power Rangers. Shotgun you. I don't know off the top of my head. I've had some I've had a couple of really good ones for like Movember and stuff as well. Did Michelangelo two ways where I was a teenage mutant turtle and the art and the painter at the same time. That was really cool. Uh, but one of my favorites is a little bit sentimental. Um, I had just like an hour or two to put together something. My nieces were wanted to go trick or treating when I was a teenager, I believe they were four and six or something like that. And I was the only one willing to go with them. And we came up together with a toga outfit, putting a bed sheet together. Always a great, costume um and rigged together a crown of thorns or bushes or whatever it was uh and then we got to take my nieces out so that was really fun that's one i I remember uh because i'm really close with my nieces so uh that's one i will point to last minute put it together had a great time there you go and the second part of this i I forgot one i was a blue man for a i think it was a halloween party not just costume party but i was a blue man 
this is in my 20s, and I had, I think, four or five girls that were my blue man groupies. So we put blue paint all over them, blue handprints all over. It was a great costume. Their idea. Couldn't get away, couldn't get away with that in 2023. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you that right now. The 2000s were, were a simpler time. The second part of our question, which I don't know if it's quite a question, but more like a thinking out loud. 526 yards to a three and five Cal team, eight yards per play, and they had to punt only three times. What do you think is going on in practice? Red Rover, Red Rover, Duck, Duck, Goose. Why does USC even show up on the defensive side of the ball? I don't think this football exciting. I think this is horrible football. Who would ever commit to USC on either side of those with e- on either side with those stats? It's totally unsupportive of the offense. Uh, Brandon I mean, Lock- I, I don't. Brandon Lockhart would commit. Uh- Five-star cornerback just committed. Uh, Juju Lewis would also, who will be in the Coliseum for his first first game, I believe it is. Yeah. This is his first one this season. Um, so he'll be out for the game this weekend as well. But those are a couple guys in the future that have committed. Yeah, it's, it's hard to watch at times for the defense. You know, they give up a ton of yards. I think it's entertaining, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan. So a I'm, fan. Just, I'm excited about offense all the time. It's it's hard to watch when they can't get out of their own way with the penalties and stuff. Um, but what do they do it, Chris? You would know better than I. What's going on at practice? What what do your secret spies tell you? For, what is what is the favorite game? Is it freeze tag? Maybe it's freeze tag. For it's all I know, play more freeze tag. For all I know, they are playing Red Rover. Red Rover. I only get to see four minutes of team warmups. I am not qualified to answer this question i have no idea what they're doing in in practice i can't be there i can't hold anyone accountable for what they're doing so i don't know for all i know they are playing dodgeball or red rover or duck duck goose something of that nature i don't know chris who's the second best freeze tag player on the team after zachariah branch i'm assuming i would say i would say uh eric gentry because those long arms, you got to oh. You got it. You have the wingspan. You get the touch, baby. You get the touch everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's it's dangerous. Put him in space. He could reach out and grab you. Reach out and grab you. He'd be a menace on. The, he should have uh, had two interceptions in that game. He should have had a fumble forced and two interceptions. Had the second one go through his hands, but phenomenal game from him. Oh, well, last I did, question. I did want to say oh, one no. thing. I, I forgot about mentioning this in the air gentry portion. I, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty he got. Terrible penalty. I think I called it, I don't know if I called it dumb or whatever I called it. Uh, and we're big EG fans uh, on this podcast, but I call it like it is. It was a terrible, dumb penalty. But I really liked the response to it. Not necessarily from Mary Gentry, but if you rewatch that replay, I like the unsportsmanlike, not because of his boneheaded play there. That was just dumb, you know, trying to hover over someone or whatever. But watch what happens when that yellow flag flies. The pain. And the anger in the faces of Jalen Smith, Bear Alexander, Kalen Bullock, they all get in his face, and he takes it because he knows he effed up. But I love seeing that because there's times when we've seen these defenses in the past, and talk about the Todd Orlando one, whatever, that someone makes a bonehead play, and it's just like, ah, and they walk away. No, they were like Jalen Smith is right in his face going, tapping his face, like tapping his head. Make smart plays type of thing. Uh, so this team needs that type of accountability. So it's good to see it. So when Lincoln Riley throws all those platitudes out and all those were one play away, there are still things I see that go, 
it could actually happen. If they could fix their scheme a little bit and guys do what their job is, there's enough talent there and there's enough guys that care. The care factor of Bear Alexander upset after the targeting penalty against Utah. The care factor of these guys in in Eric Gentry's face and saying, yeah, you had an interception. Yeah, you got a forced fumble. Yeah, you've been dominant all game. But don't make bonehead plays. Like, we need you right now. This is a huge drive. You can't be making that type of play. Like that accountability wasn't there a couple of years ago. It wasn't. You know, the, we heard Keeley had a great story on it after Clay Helton was fired. Dante took over all the things he was trying to do to change things. So it, it is it is hard to watch at times, and it is all those things. But there is still that part of me that looks at it and goes, "Could they actually put it together? Like they could do it for a game for sure." Like, I would be shocked. I mean, I would not be shocked if they beat Washington or Oregon. Um, I think I think UCLA is actually going to run all over USC. I don't know. USC's don't, fans don't want to hear that. But that defense is spectacular. And Chip Kelly seems to be able to run the ball at will against USC defenses. So I expect that to happen. But we'll see in a couple weeks before that. But I expect USC kind of ex- – uh, I wouldn't be shocked. And I kind of expect them to win one of these next two games. Because you, you see the signs, you see the things that Lincoln Riley points at, and goes, "Oh, we're this close," and I kind of want to be like, "Yeah, sure, coach," but I also go, "Yeah, I see some things too," and I want to be positive and I want to think that they can do it. Um, but that was one thing that definitely stood out: that the way those guys got in his face immediately and forced him to look in the mirror, kind of, and then he came back and you know was making plays again. Um, so, you know, I think he took it really well too, but I, I wanted to point that out. I had it written down. I forgot to throw it in there and suck up. Last question, Megalberries. USC is going trick-or-treating dressed up as a costume based on the season's performance. What is their costume? Shotgun, you do not need to answer this because I have it already. On April 21st, 1986, Ger- Geraldo Rivera hosted a two-hour American TV special about opening Al Capone's vault and inside was absolutely nothing. It was a big <laughs> hype shenanigan that yielded nothing, nothing. So the costume is them dressed up like Geraldo Rivera with a, I don't know what you call it when you like make a, uh, it's not a Venn diagram, isn't the word, but it's like a, uh, behind them, you build some sort of paper mache vault and it's, it's Geraldo Rivera hosting the mystery of al capone's vault this is a very this is a very specific reference that only a certain amount of people will get but this is what it is and there is no other option yeah maybe a piece of swiss cheese piece of hot butter no it is geraldo rivera hosting the opening of al capone's vault which was absolutely nothing it was a big old nothing burger it was all hype for nothing that's what this feels like that is the question that is the answer. I, w- I got one for you, Chris. I'm going to disagree with you. It's not going to be better than mine. It's not going to be better than mine, but All go right, ahead. Well, I'll, I'll give you mine. You can you can make your opinion on it. I think their costume is uh, they're a narcoleptic. They keep falling asleep. And you're like, is this team going to wake up? Are they awake? Are they asleep? I don't really know. Their eyes are closed. I can't tell. And then suddenly they wake up and they do something really cool. And then you're like, wait a second, are they still awake? What's going on? Like, they just paused. Like, they just froze. I don't know what's going on. That's the team. They're narcoleptic. 
don't know how you can tr you do that in a costume, but yeah, I I agree, I agree. I I mess with that. I mess with that. Shotgun quote or fact? Uh, quote me. All right. Don't quote. Oh, me. oh, you got a letter. I got ran over. Helen get gets her hair chopped off, and Julie gets her body in the trunk. You get a letter. That's balance. I, um, uh, I'm just throwing something out there. It sounds like something like Scarlet Letter, which is not anywhere close to that. I'm going to throw out a, I know what you did last summer. Do that. That's what? Nice. Yes. 1997 <laughs> classic. I know what you did last summer. How did you do that? Jennifer Love Hewitt. I'm. I'm, uh, I'm 1997 so or at least 1999. I was a big fan. Jennifer Love you. There you go. Most of us were. Congrats, Shotgun. Two in a row. Maybe USC could pull off two in a row these next two weeks. We'll see. Shotgun, that takes us to take it or leave it. Are you ready to run through these really quick? Let's go for it. Let's oh, go. Oh, wait, for Chris, it. Chris, Chris. Oh, no. I forgot. Oh, no. Did have an Instagram one or two, uh, real no. quick. Yes, no. I did. No, one of them typing was them yourself. I'm not typing them myself. One of them was speaking of costumes. When is USC ever going to give in and let the team wear alternate uniforms? Thoughts? Never. I think I've go... seen those ugly black ones. Yeah, I'm t I don't like those necessarily, but I would love a throwback. Throwbacks are fine. Sure. Throwbacks are cool. They've had different helmet logos and stuff over the years. So, yeah. I would do that. Nick want to know, do you think Caleb plays in a non-New Year's Six Bowl game? I don't think so. I don't either. And what's your favorite scary movie? The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing, the classic, oh, not the new one. It's a great one. Chess caving it not, in. It, it will not be top. Practical effects, perfect story, great acting. It's, 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 uh, it's perfection of a horror movie. The Thing. <sighs> That's a it's a great one. I, I don't know if I can top that off the top of my head. Uh, how about the uh, here's here's a question for you. Throw one out to you. Um, um, what gave you nightmares as a kid? Any any scary movie gave you nightmares? Urge the Cowardly Dog. The show is what? pretty effed up of a show. You've never seen Courage the Cowardly Dog? No, it, it's, never heard of it. You've never heard of it? Okay, well I'm I hope there's like some like. 90s babies, 2000s babies who watch this Cartoon Network show. It's just like the most it's basically this dog that lived with these grandparents and all these like supernatural things and like scary monsters would come and try to attack its owners and he would always have to like protect them or figure a way to get them out of danger and there was some effed up stuff for a kid show on there like some spooky stuff. Chickens with red eyes uh that's a very specific thing but those are like things that were like on uh on uh what what is what is the word i'm looking for uh creep me out all right i understand um uh for me it was chucky the child's play uh the chucky ah, doll okay. i had, had some nightmares with the chucky doll like chasing me through amusement parks and stuff um and then my favorite I don't know if it counts, but I'm always a big Gremlins fan. I don't know if that falls into the category or not. And again, 
I'm not a, I'm not a huge horror fan movie. I mean, a horror movie fan. So I don't know if frailty falls into it. It's kind of a psychological thriller. I don't know if that counts as a scary movie either, but. So throw Hereditary in there. Absolutely terrifying. That movie, movie. sucked. It was awful. We're, we're, we're ending this podcast. We're ending this podcast <laughs> early. Uh, that's it. That That's enough. We're, we're done here. I watched that one. I, I don't watch a ton of movies, but I did watch that one with, with someone and I thought it was not very good. Give me, give me, I more, watched it. Give me more like misery, Kathy Bates breaking your legs. Uh, give me some, Jesus. give me some Stephen King. I'm in. All right, shotgun. We're back into our original point before you hijacked it with Insta- these last Instagram yeah. questions. Take it or leave it. Let's run through these really quick. If USC scores 55 against Washington, it wins. <laughs> Goodness, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, though I would not be surprised by 70-67. What was it? Whatever was the, uh, the Washington State-UCLA score, this one could top it, but I'm going to say 55 will get it done. I believe it. Eric Gentry and Mason Cobb will be your starters this weekend at linebacker. Uh, someone should riot if not. Like Eric Gentry shouldn't come off the field again until he gets hurt. He's too, he changes things too much. Look at the throws over the middle. How much they change when he's in there. Um, he's very instinctual. I tweeted in the game, and a lot of people, you know, responded or you know interacted with it, but. How many times, like, it feels like every time he gets significant playing time, he makes at least one play where it just looks like he saw it on film, he diagnosed it, and he made a significant play on it. Like, he's done more film study than everybody else is what it looks like at times. So there's other times he's, you know, he's been out of place and done different things. But I just think all his attributes stand out so much more than anyone else at the linebacker position when they've had struggles at that position. Take it or leave it, both Marshawn Lloyd and Taj Washington will hit the 1,000-yard mark over these next three games. So to end the regular season. How close are we? They're about, respectively, they're about 280 yards. I think Taj is at 711, and then Lloyd is at like 769. I'm going to give it... uh... A split C. So one you're, makes it, you're one leaving. Doesn't. You're leaving that both will make. It. Yeah, but you think one of them will. Yeah. Okay. Uh, final one. Take it or leave it. Both Michael Penix and Caleb Williams are going to New York. I'm leaving it because right now Caleb's not even on the board. Because one, one betting site says so. Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of agrees with that consensus right now, I would think. hes I mean, if he was on the board, he'd still be like 12th right now. So he's got to put up big numbers. And it's possible. Definitely is possible. All right, Shotgun. That's the end of Take It or Leave It. Let's go to the overtime. It's obviously Halloween. It's candy. I know you're tortured right now because you can't eat candy. <laughs> but I'm going to read you some notable top candy in respective states these are states that uh you know are connected to us so i'm, I'm not doing all 52 states i'm just doing a handful of states and i want just re- your reaction 
to these uh, top candies in these respective states. Are you ready? All right. USC is playing Washington, so I had to look up the top candy in Washington, and it's apparently Tootsie Pop. I'm okay with Tootsie Pop. That shouldn't be the number one, though. Leave Who am I to say what, what these Washingtonians like? As long as it's the grape one, we're good. Grape? Oh, you're insane. What? You're insane. What's your pick? Uh, the uh, the cherry one. The cherry's fine. The grape's the winner. Uh, in Maryland, we have Hershey's Kisses. I don't really agree with this because it's not Hershey Kisses with Old Bay on top. That's how I know it, this isn't real. Is that a thing in Maryland? Or you just got to no, put Old Bay on everything? Not, you just got to put Old Bay on everything. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, they're close to Pennsylvania and they're close to Hershey, but no, that's not a that's not a top candy, guys. That's a, you leave it in the, that's a courtesy jar candy or courtesy bowl candy. Because no one's going to be upset with a Hershey kiss, but it's not anyone's favorite. We have Georgia. I'm excited for your reaction on this. Georgia, Swedish fish. <laughs> what? I didn't even know about Swedish fish, I don't think, until I got to L.A. So leaving that. I don't even like. They're terrible. No, thanks. California, Reese's peanut butter cups. Well, take it. That probably should be number one in most states. Like 25 states is some sort of a Reese's candy is what I've learned looking at the list. So that that checks out. What's your favorite? And uh, just a standard standard cup. Although I do like the thick ones now, the little thick ones, the ones that are like double, kind of the double stuff kind of ones. That must be a new one. I have not had that before. Yeah, or the pumpkins, or the or the uh, the Easter ones that they do, because yeah. those are sweeter. Those have more sugar. That's why they taste different, and they taste, you know. Here's your like. Here's your quick fact, Chris. You know the difference in Reese's peanut butter cups versus others. How powdered sugar. Powdered sugar, interesting. Hershey's chocolate. They, uh, I don't remember the guy's name. I guess it was Reese. Uh, Reese's. Um, but he went and got the chocolate from Hershey's, the original factory in Pennsylvania, and he changed the peanut butter cup by adding powdered sugar in it to make it more that fluffy, that goodness when you bite into a Reese's. It's different. Smart man. Smart man. Uh, the last one doesn't really have any connection, but I thought. It's an underrated candy, so I wanted to put it out there. New Mexico is Jolly Ranchers. Big fan of Jolly Ranchers. I'm a huge fan of Jolly Ranchers, especially that green apple. Let's go, man. Let's green go. Apple as well as grape, strawberry. I'm, I'm all in on on Jolly Ranchers. Lock up on Jolly Ranchers. As long as it's the regular stuff? ones. Don't give me the gummies. Don't give me the... No, 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 no. Like, I love sweet tarts, but I don't need a sweet... Or, and nerds. I don't need, like, a nerds rope. I don't need a sweet tarts gummy. Like, just give me the regular stuff, guys. We're good. Needs pure hard sugar with artificial flavor. It's the ultimate, like, reception candy. Where you see it there, you pick through it, like, ooh, there's some green apples. This was just recently stocked, baby. Let's go. Let's get in there. I'm in. Shotgun, that's all I got for you. I hope you can get through it to Thanksgiving so you can enjoy some Jolly Ranchers and Reese's pumpkins or whatever they may be. You just got to give me a score prediction so we can get out of here. I got one for you, Chris. Take it or leave it. Or just a question. 
your favorite scary story, short story, novel, whatever it may be. Oh, I've read more. I've read more of those than I've seen horror movies, I believe. Oh, do you have one? Because I have it. I have it, but I just have to get the title right. So if I I can get like five seconds. Uh, as you, you mentioned, a... we, we mentioned Poe earlier. I'm a big Edgar Allan Poe fan. Uh, the Fall of the House of Usher is probably my favorite. Um, buries his sister alive. Thinks she's dead. Buries her alive. And then can't deal with it. The cops come. She's scratching on the floor. He goes insane. Great story. Great story. I taught that one, student teaching, and freaked all the kids out. Also got in trouble for blacking out all the windows. Apparently that was a safety issue. But whatever. Uh, I can't. I can't. I'm trying to find it right now. But it's a short story by Richard Matheson, who wrote uh, "I Am Legend." Mm. Uh, it's a short story. Story is much I'm better trying... than the movie. Story is much better than the movie. Absolutely. I'm trying to figure out what it is. It was. It's like a very short story. It's written in like a uh, anthology of like collection of short stories. Um, I can't find it right now. It's going to 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 bum me out. But it's a really great short story about a uh, it's not necessarily horror, but it's like kind of like a thriller. Like what the F is happening here? Um, I'll probably have to say it on the next episode, but it's definitely that short story by Richard Matheson (laughs) about a guy at a at a carnival. I can't find it right now. It's going to it's going to piss me off. But that that is my uh, that is my answer. That is my answer. A, A Richard Matheson short story that I cannot lame right now shotgun give me a score prediction as i try to find this the name uh, of this 87 to 79 like oh my god like that i feel like that could happen because we're in big 12 shootout country now this is big no um you know the the oregon washington game was 36 33 um i think it's gonna be one team will have around 35 points. The other one should have around 42, unless Washington blows out USC. That could happen as well, depending on those deep shots, how how much that's clicking. So, uh, honestly, uh, for whatever reason, I should have no faith in this. And you should have no faith in me, because if you look at my picks so far this season, I have been terrible, because I picked USC to cover. USC's only a three-point underdog, which seems shocking. And I should take Washington, but for whatever reason, I've been pointing at this game throughout the season that they're going to win this game, USC. So probably a 45-42 game, USC wins. Like I, I think it takes 40-something for it to happen. Uh, and what gives anyone any confidence that USC doesn't give up 40 itself? Uh, that would be shocking if that was the case. I have 49-45 USC only because they're in the Coliseum. Let's go, Shotgun. Let's Whoa. go. You're, you're on the wrong side of this, Chris. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. We both are. We both will be. It's fine. It's fine. Shotgun, you do. Timer went off, so you have a quote or a fact. I do think you should try to go three for three on quotes. I just feel it. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I missed one, so. I mean, like to end end the show oh okay gotcha all right i'll I'll go for it is it uh is the short story called buried buried talents a black suited man shows up at a carnival stopping a game where players throw ping pong balls yes buried talents that is it 
Very it's a great short little short story. I've got to read, read it if this you one can. now. Got to read this one. It's very Write short. It's very short, but I love it. Uh, here is your last quote. Let's see if you can end three for three. Maybe it'll be a sign of USC finishing three for three. Hey, check this out. I found the ass end. Human centipede? Great guess. Great guess. But no, it is the 1990 classic Tremors. Oh, Kevin oh, I love Tremors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You look like a Tremor guy if I've ever seen one. I love Tremors as well. That movie used to scare me. That movie used to scare me. But what's underneath the ground? What is underneath the ground? That was the the great part of it. It's like you never think about like, wait, I'm outside playing in the yard. What's slithering along uh, like Tremors? Then it got crazy as the series progressed and they got legs and there's little baby ones and all kinds of crazy stuff. Just Just keep it to Tremors and that's it. What, once you lost Bennett. Kevin Bacon, it was a whole different. Yeah, it's 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 not the same. It's not the same thing. I wonder whether they're going to remake that with his daughter as the lead. I know that's coming. That's coming at some point. But also, good uh, sidekick in the movie or good uh, um, secondary actress in it is uh, Reba McIntyre in the original. Yeah, great cast, great cast. So a classic. I hope. I hope. Uh, Helium Boys Nation is a uh, is in on Tremors because it's a not necessarily a horror movie, but it's like a action comedy sci-fi with a little touch of horror. I guess I mean it did scare me as a kid, but yeah, not your <laughs> traditional horror movie like a Freddy Krueger or I know what you did last summer. Still, still the best pull you've had today, Shotgun. Uh, well done. Thank you for participating in the silly Halloween episode, and thank you all for listening on the Halloween episode. Try to make it as spooky as possible. Uh, Shotgun, looking forward to seeing you at the end of the week. So, fingers crossed. Come back COVID negative, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing everybody out there at the tailgates and whatnot. Make sure you guys are stopping by. If you see us before game, we would love to chat with you. We'd love to take a picture, all that type stuff. Make sure you tag us eventually in that picture later. I'm not going to see anything during the game. Oh my goodness, I got so many tweets and responses, notifications, Chris, during the Utah game. Utah fans do not like my tweets, apparently. Uh, mm. But it was so good to see everyone at that game. So good to see everyone at every game that we go to. You guys are the reason why we do this. If no one was listening, we would not be going for an hour and a half or two hours or however long we're going. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoy it. Make sure you're subscribing to uscfootball.com. Get all the latest news, notes, everything. And make sure you're subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast as well to, to the show here. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll have some surprises for you guys going forward down the, the stretch around the season. And hopefully USC will have some surprises, at least on the defensive side, uh, to where they show up and, you know, play and make make an interesting game for the next couple of weeks. It has, could be really fun. As Lincoln Riley says, some cool opportunities, Chris. Cool opportunities. We'll see uh, what happens if USC were to beat Washington, if uh, people stay in their seats, or if uh, we are in a mass of people once again. I've not been on the field for a USC storming the field, but I've been on the field for several with USC getting the storm the field stormed against them. Thank you for listening to the Helium Boys podcast. I'm Chris, that shotgun, and this is a USC fan. This is Count chocula as a usc fan watching usc's run defense ah 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 ah